The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. The views expressed by the hosts and guests of the Comic Book Chronicles are the opinions of said hosts and guests. They do not reflect the opinions of the Comic Book Chronicles, the Click Nation, or the Coast Leather Podcast Network in any part. Thank you. Spoilers. Hello and welcome to the nine panel world of comic book chronicles. I hadn't bust that one out in a minute. I am your host, Rodicat, and you can find me at Rodicat on Twitter, you can find me at News Nurse Need on Twitter, you can find me at CB Caps on Instagram. With Columbia down the way. And sound effects you have just heard come from none other than our man in Brooklyn, who I can safely say is thankfully not swimming. Uh, yes. Uh, uh, this weekend, uh, want to hope that everybody that up that way um, is is staying safe. One agent underscore seventy on in, uh, on Twitter and Instagram. What's up, everybody? Yes. So, um, yeah, I guess I have a difficulty. I said we'll, we'll, we could get, take note about that. How is things up there for you? Because I know you're kind of not in the city, city, or. Well, I mean, I mean, you, you are know, throughout right? you know, the five. Right, I am in yeah. the city because I'm not uh, technically in one of the suburbs of the right. city. I mean, I'm in the urban suburb of Brooklyn, New York, and. We definitely had our share of flooding issues, not nearly as bad as the borough of Queens, though, yes. because there are some lower lying areas in Queens <clears throat> that had some tremendous issues with flooding. You know, they have uh, issues with flooding when it rains relatively hard. But when you get, you know, whatever it was, like seven inches in an hour or something, something ridiculous like that, mm. there's no way you can get away from uh Flooding, you know. Very, I was very fortunate to actually not be in uh, the city um, on Wednesday during the deluge because, uh, you know, in the aftermath of Hurricane Ida, because uh, I was uh, uh, at, at families. I was at a family uh, uh, house up in upstate New York, so I was not in New York City when all that happened. I had to come down the next day, though, so I did encounter some of the delays trying to get back into the city because uh you know roads were roads were flooded people more people had to drive because the uh some of the metro north trains have been taken out the tracks have been like covered in like multiple feet of mud so it was pretty uh it, it was it, it's it's going to still be a, a pretty long cleanup i think a lot of neighborhoods were spared the worst but the ones that really couldn't afford to be spared, probably got hit the hardest, you know, and, and what I mean by that are the neighborhoods that suffer from flooding ordinarily. 
Gotcha, gotcha. Well, hopefully, um, thank, thankfully, you know, everything is still, is still good with you and everybody. At least the, the couple of people that I've checked up on are, are doing all right. So hopefully everybody else is is doing well. I, I've definitely seen some TikToks from uh, from Queens and, and like the subways flooded and whatnot. It's like, wow, that's kind of crazy. That is real crazy. Yeah. And, and what's funny is that um, I, I want to say the last time we saw the subways flood like this was on the eve of another Marvel movie that uh, uh, I went to watch, which was uh, Black Widow. Um, you know, we had a night where the subways were flooding um, right around that time mm-hmm. that we went to watch it. And it was it, it was kind of wild that, um, you know, it's, it's literally, what, like a month and a half, not quite two months later, maybe just a little bit more. And, uh, you know, it's another uh, historic subway flooding event. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Indeed, indeed. And climate change is real, people. There it is, and that is if there's not a takeaway uh that you get from that, that is definitely one. For for real, yep. for real. Yep, yep, so yep. but this is not the um the 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 climb app um that I keep seeing uh advertisements for. This is the combo chronicles, and uh, you can find this uh, Comic Chronicles on the Coast of the Podcast Network. That's CSPN.us. Do it today. And where's my cash? There's my <laughs> cash register. Lord, somebody stole the cash register. Um, Seriously. You can also find this in podcast on your podcast personal place of choice, whether it be Google Play, Apple iTunes, aka Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the Coast of the Podcast Network's SoundCloud page. <laughs> Which, by the way, folks, uh, for for those who were wondering where the uh, the last episode is, it should be out there now, and partially because I I made a boo boo. Um, I must have been tired of whatever because um, I sent the wrong link, which luckily didn't they didn't put it up. But um, it should be out there now. Yeah, it is. I think no, it's wait. up there. I think it's up there. Yeah, it should be. I don't. He might not. They might not have. Um, they might not have uh, tweeted about it, but yeah. At anyway, uh, at any rate, uh, it's out there, so you can go check that out when, while you're checking us. And, and yes, we are um, recording a day later than we normally would, would be because of the fact that Agent Underscore Seventy went to go see Shang Chi on uh, the R on the Thursday night we normally um, we we normally uh, record. So here right. he is Open now with night, some. Right. Opening night slash preview night. Not everybody goes Thursday night, but, you know, for those of us who can't bear any kind of spoilers once the movie comes out, we gun for Thursday night. So it does interfere with our podcasting. That's why we have to go into movie protocols. But, hey, we're here a day later, but not a dollar short. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, um... I haven't not seen I haven't seen it yet, so we're not going to go into uh, spoiler territory or even talk that much about it because of that. But we we can definitely get some quick impressions from Agent Seventy. I enjoyed it. Uh, at the end of the day, I think the fight scenes were uh, what carried the film, what carried the day for the film, and I think the best acting was by Tony Leung. Of course, uh, which is not which is not a big surprise at all in this. Oh, no. uh, 
you know, Michelle Yeoh does an admirable second role in the MCU now, which is great because now, you know, now she's, you know, now she has a more flushed out role uh, for uh, for hopefully future films. But uh, but yeah, Tony Leung is, you know, he's, uh, you know, he's that boy's acting his ass off, you know, as he, as he seriously, yells, as he tends to do. <laughs> right, seriously, like he really does an excellent job in this movie. You know, nothing against Simu Liu, you know, but. Uh, every hero is, defi- you know, is essentially defined by having a good villain, and uh, uh, Tony Leung, you know, does a masterful job in that in that role. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I can't wait to see it. It was like it's just, it was special when I found out them two were in it. I was like, you know what, this just just makes this uh, movie that much better. You know, right? The legitimacy exactly le- goes up ten notches. Exactly. Yeah. Have a couple of powerhouses like them. And it, you know, it's got to be worth something. So that being, so that being the case, though, like I said, hopefully by next week I will have seen the movie one way, shape, or form, uh, and we will have some proper talk uh, about the movie. But until then, we're going to talk about comic book stuff this week, starting off with. Um, what if episode number four from this past Wednesday? And the episode is titled, What If Doctor Strange Lost His Heart Instead of His Hands? And, you know, this is a what if episode that explores a reality where Doctor Strange goes down a very much darker path than what we saw in the MCU proper, in the, in the, um, Oh, what's the time? Oh, what's the uh, the primary timeline called in um, Loki? Oh, Loki. Um, the the sacred timeline. The sacred timeline. Thank mm-hmm. you. So yes, as what you know, for what we know as the sacred timeline of Doctor Strange's story, the um, the triggering event of him going through uh, the effort to become the master of the mystic arts starts with. Uh, him losing the ability to use his hands to the extent that he could before, which made him a world-renowned uh, surgeon. Right. And now, uh, in this case, what he loses instead is his quote-unquote heart. Now, he doesn't get stabbed through the heart. He doesn't have his heart taken out of him like it was a fatality in Mortal Kombat. Or, like it, or like it was Iron Man and he gets shrapnel through it or something. Right. It is much more of a figurative loss of his heart. Which, so, I, going into it, and I see, seeing the title of it beforehand, I was sitting here like, what do they even mean? Because I went straight to the, okay, he's going to have an Iron Man type, you know, shrapnel through the heart thing. Because that was the only thing that would, as far as I could think about, would fit into right. anything that happened in Doctor Strange's first movie. And, and even the leap that they took in this, like I told Age of 70 uh, prior to the to the show still didn't really ring true because as we were about to kind of talk about it just briefly it there was no legwork for that or not much of a legwork to for this to even be the case but as we have seen as agent 70 pointed out uh pointed out with the uh last episode of what if like yeah there's they kind of go a little another they add another another little bend to it which actually i will go ahead and say this right now before before i forget about it i feel like there is something. There's an event that happens uh, later in this episode that I kind of wonder. Um, 
whether there was a little bit more interfering in in the court in the proceedings than what we um, what well most po- folks that don't know about a certain character that shows that is pretty much the main character in these what ifs would play like I kind I kind of wonder about that or at least comic wise anyway and I I'll try to get to that in a minute if, if I remember about it because basically you know the watcher's narrating he don't necessarily does anything in it because you know he's he's the watcher all he does is supposedly watch but in the comics he has interfered a few different times right uh, then of course and he actually history. right and he actually has spoken to some of the active characters in what if stories before also right. what we find is that at least my experience has been right. in the what if stories that i've read certain characters who are of a certain power level tend to interact with the watcher in those stories more so than your street level character correct or a certain sensitivity you know, to such yeah right or or intelligence like a reed richards you know like if there's if if reed is in a what if and and the watcher's nearby he's actually going to know enough to speak to the watcher right. so ultimately uh what we have you know, as, as Roddy Cat mentioned, is a, a, a Uat, an Uatu who is um, not actively participating, but is a participant nonetheless. Right, more than we've seen in these uh, in these uh, prior episodes. Which, like I said, I have a slight theory about that going with that in mind, but we'll pretty much get into uh, the, the, the show strokes of it. So, yeah, as we said, Doctor Strange loses his heart, uh, which again. I don't know. Does, so he. I was about to say spoilers. Spoilers yes. incoming in three, two, one. Spoiler alert for episode four. What if you are forewarned after this? So if you're seeing Doctor Strange the movie, you know he um, he goes to an awards ceremony. He's driving by himself uh, when he gets into the crash that takes his hands. In this reality, uh, Doctor Christine Palmer. Says, actually says yes to him and goes with him and she is the one that gets uh, that, that dies in the course of the crash as opposed to him and he, uh, and, or as opposed to the loss of his hands right so, so. ultimately the, 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 the premise of this turns on the fact that Christine Palmer I guess and, and the best that we could come up with is the fact that at, you know, to this point, Doctor Strange has not been the big prick that we that we knew him to be in right. the Sacred Timeline version. Exactly. Uh, instead, he was actually able to cultivate a good relationship with Christine Palmer. Mm-hmm. So, ultimately, that's where going backwards from the point. It's not just a turn at the point of. You know, kind of like the first, the first episode was the turn was um, the fact that uh, uh, Doctor Reinstein, uh, uh, right? But Reinstein is his code name, right? Right. So Doctor Reinstein, I was I was going to (laughs) say Doctor Erskine, also, but Reinstein is his code name, right? So the fact is, the triggering event is that he allows Agent Carter to stand on the lab floor as opposed to going into the observation room. So, or she makes the choice to stand on. No, the, uh, no, no, no. He, 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 
she wanted to stand she wanted to come down right. in the movie in the sacred timeline right but oh no she wanted to stay there but uh but but the dr erskine said you got you guys need to go up oh that's right so yeah you would the, be more comfortable right so what's implied right, right so what's implied is that because uh sharon carter not sharon carter um peggy peggy uh, because Peggy decides to stay down, that's why the uh, the, the the Hydra saboteur is also on the floor and is able to get a clearer shot at uh, stopping the experiment, taking a shot at Steve Rogers and all that stuff, right? right? Whereas in the Sacred Timeline, they're all up in the observation room, so they're just stuck. Right. And he's not able to get a clean uh, opportunity to interrupt the process, right? Right. And well, that's the first one, yes. Case, Right, but the but the point is in this case, the the one step before the real change in um, the real change in trajectory for the characters is that to this point, prior to this point of the accident, Doctor Strange has actually been not as bad a person. Right. He's been uh, well, presumably just as right, just as advanced surgeon. No, but we have to presume that he's not as much of a prick. You know, pardon my fruity language. But, you know, we have to assume that he's not that bad because Dr. Christine Palmer, who we find out is actually still voiced by Rachel McAdams in the credits, which is awesome. Mm -hmm. She's actually into him, like much more into him than when we first see her in the movie, in the Sacred Timeline movie, where she's talking about, you know, you're only into yourself or something like that. She makes some comment. So ultimately, we're dealing with a very different Doctor Strange at this point in time when uh, they go uh, when they're when they undergo this particular accident. Right. So that lends itself to go on to. okay, so they the feelings that, again, never really bore out in the movies became was a little more cut and dry and more clearer than than what we saw because like the movie did no lay work to, to even get into that point um to to even get into that point even within the confines of the movie like like yes there's you could tell there was something there but even then it was like no it wasn't nothing there's was, there was no there was no spark there there was just like okay sure there was there's like some glances some throwaway stuff even you know while he was whatever, but nothing to the point of saying, like, yeah, this would be something that would really happen. Uh, yeah, but it's also post-breakup, so it's kind of tough. You know what I mean? Like, it, they, yeah. they had kind of already started to, to break it off, you know, at least a, a while before um, we reach, we, we see um, uh, Stephen Strange in the, the Sacred Timeline movie. So that's right. that's the counterpoint to that. Right. So, you know, be that as it may, at the end of the day, what we have here in this What If episode is What If Stephen Strange is searching for a, uh, uh, the classic cure to be found with the myst- with the aid of the mystic arts that is bringing the dead back to life. Right, and so and you see some familiar beats from the movie. You know him turning the apple, him learning, you know, uh, eventually learning the the mystic arts, and and uh, but with the bend of that uh, in itself. And of course, he was told by the ancient, uh, by the ancient one, uh, replayed by Tilda Swinton, um, that that can't be the case. And of course, Doctor Strange doesn't listen. Um, uh, uh, there's and that keeps you know, and that was that's kind of the through line that that uh, that kind of goes along through here. Uh, I guess he gets up to a certain point to we can assume to at the 
end of Dark Strange, where he becomes the Sorcerer Supreme and he's in Sanctum Santorum, uh, but he still has this, he's still thinking about trying to uh, get her back, and he has the Time Stone slash Agamotto, uh, and Benedict uh, Wong replays Wong again, and it's like, uh, let's, you know, basically says like, hey, let's go, I'm gonna I'm a make some, put on some tea, let's, why don't you join me before you do something reckless, and of course, that's exactly what it is, which I, I've seen in places where it's like, yeah, that kind of mirrors you know, and that's kind of what Wong does anyway. It's like Wong promotes like, don't do this thing that you're about to do because it's not going to go well. And he doesn't listen and he still doesn't anyway. If you've seen the Spider-Man trailer, the recent Spider-Man trailer, similar thing happens, you know. Uh, so right. it's, it's not outside the realm of possibility that, 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 that that's the thing that goes on. So I was going to say, hold that thought. Hold that thought. Sure. Shout out to shout out to Marvel Studios for finally confirming how we're supposed to pronounce Agamotto. Because yes. I don't know if they actually ever pronounce it more than once in the movie, in the Doctor Strange movie. True. So, because, listen, we have all grown up as comic book fans with the orb of Agamotto and the eye of Agamotto. Mm-hmm. But never, ever have we ever had to say those things out loud, so we don't know how they're pronounced. Exactly. So, I'm glad that Marvel Studios has come to our aid and has shown us exactly how we're supposed to pronounce Agamotto, one of the Vishanti. Right. Take like it Shang-Chi. away, Roddy Cat. Yeah, like Shang-Chi. Um, but yes, so he uses the the Eye of Agamotto, which is a time stone, and uh, this decides to um, go back in time. Uh, he uh, goes back to the time to the accident just to try to change things. Basically, if you remember the end of um, uh, Doctor Strange, where he makes a bargain with uh, Dormammu, think that in a way, but he just goes back and relives the, um, he groundhogs days, the, uh, the, the accident, trying to figure out different ways, but it all ends up, everything he tries ends up the same way. She ends up, uh, Christine ends up dying, you know, um, and he's still at a loss. Um, so then I believe this is where the point of the ancient one kind of comes to visit him, which this is another. So this is where another thing that kind of they play with the timeline a little bit, uh, as we come to find out, because the ancient one comes in who at this point is already dead. Uh, but apparently, and I think someone's someone's out there was like that. This seems like a, um, not necessarily a loophole, but you know, they kind of something that goes against what happens in the movie. Because she's supposed to be dead and can't see past her death, but yet here she is. But that can be—I'm sure this can be explained off. You don't really think about it at the time. But so she comes back right. and says, hey. I, "I think they also say they also say that she's just an echo, basically, exactly. you know, of of, of the uh, the ancient one. So it's not technically in violation of it, but I understand. And this is also a different reality. So who's to say something else that with involving her death, you know? didn't change like maybe she saw the thing she saw this coming and you know took a step uh but but regardless so she she comes back strange and just like yeah i know what you've been doing and this line does other blah blah you shouldn't be doing this and that's another uh another they uh, he basically says well i'm gonna keep doing you know i'm gonna keep trying uh was like, like you don't do this because this is a, she basically explains that uh Christine's death is an absolute point in the sacred time in the timeline that can't be changed. 
And of course, Strange is like, watch me try it. <laughs> Somebody's got the power, have the power to do this. And therefore, um, and therefore he's going to try it because he's just Dr. Strange. He knows no better. So uh, we see them kind of go against each other. And then he seemingly gets away. Uh, and uh, to make a long story short, he finds, uh, he, he goes to find someone who can help him, which, uh, um, comes in the form of the books of Cal, Calish. I, how do you pronounce that? I don't remember how to, how you pronounced it. Caliastro? They pronounced, no, they put, Cag- they pronounced it like it's written. Cagliostro. Cagliostro. Thank you. Yeah. I couldn't, I couldn't remember. So, um, he goes off to kind of find. He goes off to presumably sometime in the past to to uh, to find uh, the the library of Cal- Kessler. Why am I having so much trouble with that? <laughs> Cag Cagli Ostro. Like literally, Cag-Ostro. just look at it. And, I know. But don't, I'm not. Don't... Well, I'm not looking at a recap. So it's, um, right. Uh, but regardless, he goes goes look for the library. He comes across the uh, caretaker of the library, much like Wong was in the movie, uh, in the form of Obing. Which come to find out uh, with a little bit of research, uh, apparently is another name for um, Cagliostro. Oh, no uh, kidding! I didn't know that. Yeah, because I was watching um, uh, an Easter egg video, and then I actually went and looked for myself. I'm like, oh, okay. But basically, a, a pseudonym because it was he went under other names because apparently he was a real, uh, he was kind of a real charlatan. So technically, that person could the 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 Oben person could very have been Cagliostro. Mm. Um. So, but you know, you can read about that y- y- yourselves out there, folks. Regardless, he uh, he goes to the library, finds the information in the lead. There is another tie back to the uh, Doctor Strange movie with the books he re- with the uh, with the book um he's reading from, and he gets that he finds out how to get the power to do this, and of course that causes him to um do some things that Doctor Strange would normally do in taking powers from uh, absorbing other people's powers, which means he goes and um, absorbs a bunch of demons' powers, including one that we saw from the first episode, uh, presumably. Uh, and he was doing this and doing this and doing this, and uh, we end up coming to find out that uh, this particular Strange is a split Strange from the, the, the Strange of this reality that the... Um, when the agent uh, one sparred with uh, Doctor Strange, she basically split him in half. Uh, so within the timeline, some kind of way, which we, you know, because I guess if you got the kind of power to do that, sure. So there's a good Strange and there's this bad Strange that's been taking up power. So they're basically half of each other. So the bad Strange goes to look for the new Strange. They, uh, I mean, the 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 good Strange. They fight, and it um, it ends up that. Um, Bad Strange ends up winning and absorbing him, and things still don't go great because the world ends up still ending. Uh, and he does try to bring back Christine. That doesn't work out the way he he um, he um, wants to because he's turned into a monster, literally, uh, like almost figuratively, literally and figuratively. Um, and the world still ends. She basically still dies. And the watcher kind of comes in and says, "Like strange, if I had to, if I if I could just punish you without the world, um, you know, without the world coming to an end, I would." So you see the a conversation, the first conversation I believe we've actually had between a character and the watcher in this series, if I'm not mistaken, because I don't know if there was an actual other one in this in this series as today. Like we've seen the watcher show up in places, obviously, but we've never seen him actually talk to any of the characters. 
So we talk to him, and then it kind of ends on the fact that um, Doctor Strange is on his own little, basically bubble world uh, that's cr- kind of crumbled into that he's kind of keeping at bay. So we we can only assume that this Doctor Strange is going to come back at some point. And that's pretty much that. It was a good episode. I know a lot of people, uh, a few people that I know, actually have been praising it because of the dark tone of the of the um, of the episode. And yeah, I agree with that. Like the premise of it was kind of a little loose, but because of the relationship, whole relationship thing that didn't really seem like it was fleshed out. But again, there was leaps that had to be done. Um, right. But I mean, it's similar to uh, as I was I was saying earlier. It's similar to a couple of these what if shows where the 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 conceit is to stretch part of. Uh, a relationship into something else so that that is what is part of the inciting what if factor mm. you know uh, you know as i said earlier is, is is peggy carter being on the floor it's it's uh hope uh being a shield hope agent. van dyne yeah exactly being a shield agent you know uh, unbeknownst to us right you know being being a, being a, a a catalyzing force here uh, in in in, a, in another what if um, reality that is, and in this case we have um, this maybe more sympathetic love story as opposed to the the antagonist semi antagonistic love story or or post love story that we got in the sacred timeline of Doctor Strange the movie. Right. So I'm so here's where my I guess partially here's where my theory kind of comes into it, like the whole. I don't know. I, I guess it, it kind of doesn't make sense if you if you think about it because, or maybe it does. I don't know. So we know part of the premise of what if is that there's supposedly a, a multiversal Avengers possibly being formed out of these episodes, these first three episodes. Um, and I feel like the Watcher, again, who we know comic wise has definitely interfered directly before. I kind of wonder if he didn't have a hand in some of the events kind of coming going coming to happen in particular this particular one like um yeah christine's death being an absolute point uh, of uh, an absolute uh yeah an absolute point i kind of wondering if he had a little bit more to do with that than not that is kind of my theory yeah i mean it's hard to know at this point yeah. uh we have uh five more of these what if episodes to go before we see what if any intent Marvel has with these you know what they intend to carry out with right. these what if stories because we are ap- we are absolutely rapidly coming to the realization that these what if stories are meant to set up something else and are not just one off literally one off what if stories in right. the vein of most of the old comic book series. Right. So we are going to have to wait and see just a little bit longer what Marvel intends to do with these what if characters because there is a lot of speculation that we're going to see, just as Roddy Cat said, a version of the multiversal Avengers. We are also probably going to see several of these concepts making their way into the MCU proper. Mm-hmm. Such as the possibility of one Shuma Gorath becoming uh, a regular villain, maybe even in the Multiverse of Madness movie, because we've now seen two tentacled monsters 
rear their tentacles, but not their head. So we're not 100% sure, but we've seen it in the Peggy Carter episode, and we've seen it, obviously, in this episode. Possibly the, the same tentacles that just grew back, because obviously both times the tentacles were taken from them and not necessarily, you know, so it's probably the same. But the person. point is, it's, yes, it's the same. The, the point is, it's supposed to, at least to us to our eyes, resemble the same character. It's supposed to, I think it's supposed to be the same character. It's not just some random tentacle. So um, ultimately, whether or not that is some uh, foreshadowing of this character's involvement in the multiverse of madness or something else going forward, we'll see. But that is twice now that we have seen these, this particular set of tentacles uh, in a what if episode. So, uh, you know, that's another aspect to it. You know, ultimately, I'm honestly going to, to to wait to see what they do with the zombies because we know that there's going to be a version of Marvel zombies being mm-hmm. brought in. What they do with the vampires because maybe that's how they bring in Blade. We will see mm-hmm. how this all plays out. So I think that if you know anyone who is not watching these What If episodes now, they should probably try to catch up before they go into before we go into more of the MCU. I don't think you're going to need it for Shang-Chi having seen it. It's not much of a spoiler, but you don't need it for Shang-Chi. I have the sneaking suspicion you might need it for Spider-Man No Way Home, though. Just a sneaking suspicion. Maybe, I mean, this would be kind of a stretch, but maybe even Eternals, we don't, you know. We don't know. Yeah, we don't know yet. We don't know yet because... The episodes will be done by the time we get to Eternal, so Roddy Cat's thoughts may actually be the case that once you finish What If, you'll actually need something in these episodes to carry you over into uh, or to more fully understand something in some kind of context that's applied in Eternals. Right. So, but time will tell on those on on that. That being the case, though, um, like I said, I, I... it was an enjoyable episode, um, even though, like I said, the premise of was kind of it was kind of fun. The, the the tone of it was great, and the you know it was executed quite well, regardless of you know the, the filmlessness of the the premise. Yeah, super dark. I mean, I didn't find I didn't necessarily find the the the, the premise all that flimsy. Like I said, I just accepted the fact that the events leading up to this kind of uh, uh, you know flex point. Sure. You know, the, the point of, of, of what if uh, had to be a little bit different in order for the character to go down this very different and acknowledged very dark path. Sure, 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 sure. Uh, that being said, though, we're, we're, we're done with that. So probably spend a little bit more time than, than, <laughs> than it is intended to. But nevertheless, um, it is out there. We got another one next Wednesday and we will be talking about that next Thursday. Uh, so now we're going to go on to the comic books of the week, which uh, probably won't take that long either. Right. We've got a, a, a weird fifth week scheduling uh, issued this week where the fifth week of September, you know, the fifth Wednesday in September actually falls at the beginning of the month. But it also falls before the Labor Day weekend. If you're listening to this over the Labor Day weekend or watching it over the Labor Day weekend, mm-hmm. you know, enjoy. And, you know, I have a, I have a, I have a safe 
and help and, and healthy and restful holiday weekend. Um, but yeah, we uh, because of this because of this kind of weird fifth week scheduling, we have just a few books out this week. Myself, I've read actually way less than what I normally would, and Roddy Cat was able to fit a few more books in. Um, but we're going to start with Avengers. Uh, number 48 it is written by Jason Aaron with art by Javier Garon colors by David Curiel and letters by VC's Corey Pettit so we start off this issue in the aftermath of the betrayal of one Ken Hale in uh, Avengers Mountain and we catch up with Ken Hale in Bagalia and we all know what Bagalia is as a result of how this particular uh, country has been uh, developed in the last several years to be even more a scum and villainy than Mad- uh, than I wanted to say Madagascar than Madripoor. You know, I went I went with the a real place as opposed to the fake place. You know, whereas Madripoor is playing its own role in the pages of Marauders and in the X books in general. Bagalia is the place where, much like Madripoor used to be. It's the place where the supervillains go to get away from things and to hang out and to gamble and to drink. So uh, if you're not familiar, Bagalia is the nation that's run by supervillains. And we catch up with Ken Hale, who is um, trying to drink his um, his sorrow away after having uh, betrayed, spoiler alert, the Avengers to the, uh, the Winter Guard and um, the Russians in general. The... Um, the now transformed She-Hulk, the the now transformed Red Hulk, She-Hulk, the Red She-Hulk that uh, uh, is uh, what do they call it? Oh, the Winter it? Hulk. The Winter Hulk. Oh, the Winter Hulk. Yeah. Oh yeah yeah. So so and everything watch- is winter or red when it comes to the Russians. And she's both so, yeah, now. <laughs> exactly. So we have the Winter Hulk going after Ken Hale, Gorilla Man. And she essentially recruits him to uh, a mission that she's undertaking. And uh, ultimately, we find out that uh, they are on the hunt for a couple of things. One of them being sort of being um, to fulfill, you know, they're they're looking to fulfill missions laid out for them, uh, laid out for uh, the Winter Hulk by the Red Room and by. and by the Winter Guard, but also it seems that um, She-Hulk is sometimes moving on her own volition when the anger isn't as um, intense, you know, because I sort of read into something that she does here against the Vampire Nation that I don't know if the Winter Guard was behind it for sure, but it could have been because... Who you know? It, it wouldn't be beyond them to double cross someone who that they were who they were working with just prior to this uh, in the efforts to subdue uh, the She-Hulk and put her into the uh, Red Room slash Winter Soldier process. Right, and going into this, you would think that okay, she she sent. I mean, they sent uh, her after Gorilla Man to kind of tie that loose in to keep him from you know uh, to uh, to keep him from talking or doing whatever but he was doing speaking of talking though he was doing a lot of talking in in this uh in this issue doing a lot of kind of noirish type monologuing which i think that that may be indicative of his character or that we've not seen as much before because like we know he's been in with the avengers and i know he's kind of an older character in itself anyway right 
Um, so it's some of it bear out, bears out that way, but it's kind of funny to hear this much of it in, in, in the pages of uh, here. Right. So, uh, so yeah, while he's with She-Hulk uh, or the Winter Hulk on, on this mission and he's kind of trying to talk her down from doing what she's doing, but he's also kind of, uh, you know, I guess, well, he's kind of like, yeah, he's kind of sorry that he did what he said. That's that kind of, kind of comes out in here. And, yeah, for what you said about the thing that she might have been doing on her own volition, yeah, that seems like something she's doing and not necessarily because of what the uh, the Winter Guard put her up to. Because that, right. cause there's that whole one panel about that we find out that uh, the Winter Guard had vampires um, set upon her during her um, during her captivity. So it, it makes kind of sense that yeah, like uh, she'd want to kind of get some um, get some comeuppance. She wanted to get some comeuppance from from that because they, being a character such as the they would have needed a way to kind of break her down a little bit. And I guess the way to do it was to use vampires to kind of weaken her. And they also took some blood from her, which I guess is still in play out there somewhere. And I mm, guess, I don't know. I was about to say, I think they show the shattered vials, the shattered remnants, the containers in the, in the aftermath of uh, her attack. True. But it doesn't necessarily they, mean that directly is no, but I'm saying, you know, like I think they make a point of, uh, what you call it? Of showing those shattered mm-hmm. uh, vials at, at Blade's feet. So, yeah. you know, assuming that there aren't more of them, right. uh, more vials of, of uh, She-Hulk blood floating around, floating around out there. It's not obviously, it's not out of the realm of possibility. Right. Which is what I'm saying. So, um, yeah. but yeah, but yeah, we definitely do see that. Another, I love, love that um, Blade takes the opportunity. It was like, uh, about, did she did she kill a mouse? Stab. Oh yeah, she got all of them. <laughs> that was pretty fun funny but ultimately like the, we we see um the rest of the issue is we see uh uh, uh winter hulk uh with the gorilla man in tow uh on the mission that she has been set upon by the winter guard which is seemingly to go and uh kill a a character that has come up um uh, a few times in the in the pages of avengers and that is one submariner uh namor but this is also hiding another mission that the the Winter Guard is on uh, of a similar nature, of a slightly bigger scope. Uh, will it play out? Who's to say? But uh, we'll find out in the next uh, issue what happens with that. Right, right. Just think of it as... Think of it in the terms of if you happen to watch The Suicide Squad, I, I, I again say The Suicide Squad. Yes. Uh one group is essentially the distraction. That's what She-Hulk is. Yes, but definitely plays out way differently than 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 the distraction did in the, the Suicide Squad. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so yeah, that, that being said, um, like this was a, a fairly decent issue. Like I, there was a couple of things I was expecting to happen, uh, or at least one thing I expected to happen. But I guess there's a reason, as we are seeing going into the, the next issue, didn't happen for a reason. Right. Or I mean, ultimately, I, the, the one the one aspect of the story that I needed to wrap my head around was the fact that 
the vampires were able to bite into She-Hulk skin. Exactly. I needed help. I needed help with that. I'm like, what are they doing? They must be weakening her somehow before that's even possible. Right. I was thinking they were like, yeah, exactly. I thought about that too. I'm like, hmm, you would think her skin would be a little, little too hard for that. Like maybe they siphoned off some gamma from her in some kind of way. Which I'm like, if they hit, if they went that route, wouldn't they just do that to do what they needed the, to the do? The whole way, right? Exactly. Right. Um, yeah, it's like that, that part kind of didn't make that much sense either, but I was like, okay, I'm just going to go with it for right now. <laughs> yep. 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 Like, so, yeah, that I was mean, kind that, of a stretch. That particular aspect, right. That particular aspect of the story, you know, I, I definitely bumped against and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, had to, had to kind of reconcile the fact that, okay, so they're doing something to lower her defenses and her natural invulnerability. So, right. And uh, there was there's also a reference to recent, uh, fairly recent um, events in Wolverine, which actually kind of ties sort of because we know Wolverine has also been going up against the Vampire Nation, and they've right. apparently because we found out that which I know if you've been reading Wolverine, like I believe Agent Seventy has, you know that they've been wanting his blood also, right, for similar reasons. Um. Right, as a way to power up uh, the vampires against their natural weakness, which is, you know, daylight. Right. Essentially, tr- basically trying to make them into more blades. As yep. Day walkers. So, yeah. Um, like I said, I haven't been reading Wolverine, but I do know that that was there because I believe it's come up during... It has come up during the, 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 um, the gala or something. It, basically in the pages of uh, X-Men or X-Force or something. Yep. Actually, I think it was X-Force. So, yeah. Regardless, uh, that's that. So we can move on to do. I guess do we want to do Sinister War before we go to Rapid Fire? Since, since... Uh oh, wait. You were you muted? Sorry about that. Yeah. I I clicked the two one too many times. Um, yeah, all I have are New Mutants number twenty one and Sinister War number four. So we can quickly cover Sinister War number four. Uh, so Sinister War number four is written by Ed Brisson and Nick Spencer pencils are by Mark Bagley, Dio Nevis Marcelo Ferreira inks are by Andrew Hennessy Andy Owens, Dio Nevis and Marcelo Ferreira colors are by Brian Reaper and Andrew Crossley and letters are by our very uh, uh, VC's Paisan Joe Caramagna my two-word, or it's really one word because of the hyphen, uh, review of this issue is anticlimactic. Yes, absolutely. Like, this is definitely something that could have been done in the pages of Amazing. Um, you know, if they wanted to kind of put another issue out, which we've said that before about a few different issues as opposed to what they've been doing with it. Like, what was the point of doing this if it wasn't going to go anywhere? Like, they set up this whole Sinister War thing to where it was going to be this whole big thing. And it was a big thing, but it was only a big thing because there was a gang load of, uh, literal gangs for roads, uh, loads of characters that shows up in this thing. Like, pretty much almost every major spot. They even said it in here, like, yeah, like, he was fighting people that he totally forgot that he was, was fighting against in the uh, in right. this issue. And they literally brought the juggernaut in. Right. Again, which, yeah, because he's, he's been in the picture uh, in the past, but, yeah, he was kind of in and out. 
during one of the arcs uh, in uh, in the thing. So I was like, okay. So the the long the longer the short of this was like, yeah, Spidey still Spidey's still trying to fight against uh, all these people all at the same time. No help. He's hurt. He's battered. You know, he does end up getting some help. And again, as Agent Seventy said, a very anticlimactic possible. Well, we can—I guess we can assume that was an actual death, correct? Because even oh, then, because yeah. even yeah, that because was pronounce. like, yeah, because yeah, yeah, they was, pronounce him there. I'm like, right. there's not even a, a a body that's not found. They actually right. pronounce him on the scene, right? But even then, it was like it wasn't like normally when they when they have done something like this in the pages of of, of a comic, it would be a little bit more to it. But this just felt like like oh no, we're just going to go ahead and put this out here, bloop, and and then that kind of informs the rest of the issue where the turning point happens. Uh, for Spidey, but still, it ends with you know, yeah, Spidey gets away, but there's a loss. Uh, he's got some people, you know, who was actually working with him before this. Like the same people was were already working with him because of this character that 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 died. Yeah, but unbeknownst to them, in a way. Um, but and then, but then he also gets another, um, you know, um, another hand in help by one Dr. Octopus, which if you're watching the video version, you can see uh, some tentacles. Um, uh, and yes, the, the, yeah, Doc Octopus definitely does play a good part uh, in turning the tide of what's going on here. But it ends on such an anticlimactic note because like, even with the death and even with, like, okay, Spidey got away and then they go they go to um Mephisto and Doctor Strange who are apparently still <laughs> watching the scene from afar like like they're Master Roshi at the uh Kami house watching Goku and them fight. Um, yeah. um which really enough that's that's the one thing that came along because they kind of Agent Seventy can get that reference now. <laughs> right. <laughs> Um, but and it, well, uh, with them talking, well, and go that's ahead. It. Finish up your thought. You finish up your point, then, and, and I'll just throw something in uh, to help close out. Yeah, that was it. They, 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 they pretty much say they pretty much say, yeah, this, he got away, and but oh wait, but it's still not over yet, and that's it. Right, right. Because ultimately, here, I think the big takeaway is one: there is a character death, mm-hmm. and it was definitely unexpected at the hands of a character who really has not had a a role to play in the pages of Amazing Spider-Man in a long time. True. So uh, the the tables are turned in this issue due to someone acting superior. (laughs) I'll put it. Yes. Someone is acting superior and that is what turns the tables here. Yes. Which annoys the hell out of me. But, you know, it's all part of the, the, the grand plan to uh, take Peter out and put Ben Riley in his place. And right. I don't know how, I don't know what, what, what wisdom th- there is in, in that thought, that plan. But what are you going to do? Right. So here's the thing for me about that. I, that death was expected, just not in the way that it happened. Because I feel like he was going to die at some point. Like, like I feel like there's, they've been setting it up a couple of different times during the course of this whole thing. Like, is he okay. going to get lost in also with everything that's been going on with it? Because there's been a lot going on and it's been drawn out. But I feel like right. that's that's kind of something that was going to end up happening. I figured like it would have gotten a little bit more 
a little bit more gravitas to it, a little bit more, you know, it would have hit, resonated a little bit more than this did because it just kind of came and happened. And then it was like, all right, it came, happened. And then this people was like, oh, no, we got to, we got to, you know, for this character, you know, we're not going to spoil who it is at this point, but we'll talk about it next time. Um, but I figured, like, I, I knew it was coming. It just, like, like the word is anticlimactic. It just kind of came. It's like, really? It's just that's how it happens? Yep. And then we go. And then that's it. So, yeah, we still got a couple of... We got, like, two more issues of Amazing to go with this whole thing. Or one. Yeah, just 73 and 74. Yeah. So, thankfully, this will all be over. Like, don't get me wrong. So, I, I can I feel like I can safely speak for ages 7 and says Like, we appreciate the fact that there has been a long-running story. Um... It's great if a long story, the the story didn't take the turns that it did. And, you know, it was obviously playing the long con that I, I can't say at this point paid off. Right. Um, but, like, the having a long arc is great. Uh, or, you know, have a, having long reaching plans is great. It's like execution is kind of the thing that kind of, kind of, kind of makes things happen and so far like we still have a couple of issues to go whether it's going to pay off in the end i kind of right whether it sticks the land whether or not spencer's long form story sticks the landing you know i'll ultimately unfortunately because we read previews we have an inkling uh, of where this is all going right. but we'll see if this all pays off exactly. uh, in the next two issues of amazing i don't have hope for it at this point. Same here. Same here. That being said, we can move on. Um, yes. I think we can spin up the uh, the minigun here and, and get into rapid fire. I ain't got time to breathe. Rapid fire. Um, I guess you can go ahead and go ahead and do that that one you got. Yeah, I'll I'll take care of my one lonely book for Rapid Fire, that being New Mutants number twenty one. It's written by Vita Ayala with art by Rod Rice. Letters by VC's Travis Lanham with his co-worker and Paisan Joe Caramagna. So <laughs> uh, ladies and gentlemen, if you are not watching the video uh, portion of our programming or the version of our programming, you uh, are missing out on Roddy Cat uh, giving a sly smile every time I uh, I uh, shout out Joe Caramagna's Italian heritage. Um, Indeed. So, in, in in this issue, we have uh, a follow up on several several items, several events. In previous issues, and I don't want to spoil too much here because uh, Roddy Cat probably intends to read this at some point soon to catch yes. up. But oh, yeah. we have, as is want uh, to happen in the pages of New Mutants, two parallel stories happening in the pages of this book. One story following Warpath and a bunch of younger students who we are not uh, familiar with at all. This could very well be their first introduction into the pages of the Marvel Universe. But uh, they are on a mission on uh, the, uh, around the summer house, around the moon. And um, they run into um, problems with an alien species that heretofore had thought to have been under 
control, as it were, by a fellow X-Man, and that's a big spoiler if you're familiar with what has happened in the X pages of the X-Men over the past several years. Uh, even I think this was pre-Hoxbox, if I'm not mistaken. But um, if it's who I'm thinking about, no, I think it might have been either during, during? or slowly after, yeah. Okay. All right. So maybe maybe my sense of uh, how long ago this happened is a little bit thrown because it does feel like it was it, it was some time ago now, but um, but ultimately uh, that that alien race uh, rears uh, its ugly head. Uh, the other story, the parallel story, is regarding um, the Wild Hunt folks and uh, you know these young mutants who are trying to. Uh, they're basically trying to resurrect Scout because she apparently gets killed during the Hellfire Gala. And uh, there is some... There, there's some uh, ethical confer, uh, uh, conversations about resurrecting uh, clones and copies of people where this has been an ongoing thing. I know that Hellions is out this week. I did not read it. I haven't read it in a while. But I know that uh, Havoc, uh, a.k.a. Alex Summers, is lobbying for resurrecting Madeline Pryor. And their counter-argument is that, the, the X-Men's counter-argument is that Madeline Pryor is just a copy of Jean Grey. She's right. a clone of Jean Grey, so there's no need to uh, to bring back a clone. But in this case, they successfully lobby to have Scout returned uh, and reborn through the, uh, the resurrection protocols. Uh, also, we have, you know, and as part of this, we also have some resolution to what's been happening with uh, Rain Sinclair as a result of her dealings with uh, Amal Farouk, a.k.a. the Shadow King. Mm -hmm. And it all seems to be uh, heading towards uh, some sort of uh, climax probably in the next issue or two with regards to uh, this uh, with regards to the uh, group of new mutants taking on the Shadow King on uh, the island of Krakoa. Okay. Um, so, I believe, going back to that, that Havoc thing you were talking about, I'm almost fairly... I haven't, I haven't written Hellions this week either, but I do know what's going on with it uh, as of the last issue. And I... I kind of doubt they bring it. They they bring out that, but you are right that he has been lobbying for it. Because I think what's going on in in Hellions this this week is, uh, uh, well, as I saw from from some flavor text, a, a schism could be happening in, in between uh, betwixt the team because of what right. happened. Uh, but well, because of something that happened early on, and because of revelations that happened in the last issue. Right. Um, I mean, the uh, the whole resurrection protocol thing is going to be the the crux of the main schism in Inferno, which is going to be yes. coming up soon. Yeah, and you know that's one of the other rules in the resurrection protocols that uh, up till now has been followed, but is uh, definitely uh, uh, being uh, uh, rebelled against by one uh, Raven Darkholm. Mm -hmm. And if you don't know which character I'm referring to. Do some research, get some reading in. When I say Raven Darkholm, you should know who that is. Yes. There have been live action versions of her, uh, yes, played by a Hunger Game star. Uh, in, but so. And an ex Mrs. John Stamos. Wait, really? 
Oh yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. That's totally right. I totally forgot about that. Yes. I totally forgot about that. Roddy Cat said, really? And I'm then like, all of a sudden, the, the recognition like, hit him. Yeah, I was like, wait a minute. Because I was thinking of the same person. I was like, oh, right. I forgot the, the first. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Yeah, we, have, we have already had two cinematic versions of this character. Arguably a better version of the character, uh, in, in my opinion. But that's, you know, that's subjective. A more traditional, yeah, a more traditional view on the character, yes. in my opinion. Agreed. So, uh, That being said, so, yeah, um... I think that's it for for new new mutants. Uh, but that was yeah, and that is it there. for me. So, so you we, can go with your rapid fire books. Yes, indeed. As I get the comics books. Um, actually, speaking of what I just said, uh, that um, that reminds me of something I've been thinking about. But uh, hopefully, it'll come to me in, in a minute. Um, uh, anyway. Magic the Gathering number six. Uh, creative team is writer Jeb McKay. Uh, illustration and colors by French uh, French Colomagno for the past version, and illustrations by Iguara for the present version. Colors by Ariana Consani for the present version for the present part, and uh, lettering by Ed Dukeshire. Basically, if you know any, well, so I know there are some really heavy um, Magic the Gathering lore nerds out there. I am not one of them, although I do love the game and I do play uh, every now and then. I, so the characters that are front and center in in here, I know a little bit about. There's a character that shows up in the that showed up in the last uh, issue and is front and center in this issue that I have seen before. Don't know that much about. Uh, that being said, so a planeswalker, Hava or Java Ballard, recounts her various meetings with a person associated with um, the god or person that the the trio uh, the, of the main cast is going up against. So this whole uh, this whole issue is basically a recounting of various stories that is leading up to the fact that um, hey, this thing is bigger than what I thought it was. Um, and if, if this, uh, God happens to come back, uh, to play Ravnica, which is the city that was kind of going kind of under fire at this point, uh, then it's going to be bad news basically. So this, like I said, this, this all, this whole thing was just a series of stories or not. It's even a series, like a few, uh, snippets of stories about this this character's interaction with uh, with an acolyte of this other per, uh, person. So, like I said, if you're uh, a Magic the Gathering nerd, uh, Lord nerd, then as far as I know, this stuff is canon. I'm not actually sure about that, but it is a fun read. And Jed McKay does some good writing, uh, as we have said in the past in, in here. So, it's probably worth looking out for or looking at if you are so inclined. Uh, Static. Shock, excuse me, it's not Static Shock, it is not. Uh, Static, Season 1, Number 3. Uh, creative team is Vida Ayala on writing. Pencils and inks and colors by Nicholas Draper, Ivy. Um, pens and inks by Criss Cross. And colors by Will uh, Quintana. And lettering by Anwar Design. So... Apparently something that I missed out on in the last uh, issue of this was that the character, a character that uh, Virgil ends up meeting up with was a character, was another milestone character 
that whose book had just came out I think a week before that or a week after that or something like that and I didn't put the two names together because, and I did end up reading that book but basically uh, Virgil uh, ended up with uh, some gear and some some other things so he ends up going to the secret stash of, of the, the character of Hardware. Uh, apparently a character he knew who he, he knew of but not necessarily knew the, the his uh, quote-unquote superhero version name of or whatever the game may be uh somehow like some of the milestone stuff that i'm not really familiar with um interaction wise but basically virgil ends up getting caught at a secret stash by the police because uh hardware is wanted by the police because of something he was framed up for and that stuff came out in his particular book uh whenever that came out uh, a few weeks ago or whatever the case may be but but Virgil gets kind of caught up and in the, he gets away from the police, but he not without, uh, you know, get some gear and uh, a very familiar form of transportation. He ends up um, finding uh, and using, if you know anything about static. And he also gets, uh, gets, gets used to his powers a little bit more uh, before um, getting, getting uh, away safely from the police. And obviously, this is a more modern take of, of Static, so there's a couple of references here that's a little bit more modern than the original Milestone run. I believe there was a Little Nas X reference, song reference in here, if I'm, I'm almost certain of that. Um, but a couple of other things happen. It's like, this, this is what other character goes to, this is this other character uh, to, to get help from her powers. And uh, another character, Hot Streak, I said, I called him Hot Spot, Hot Streak, Kind of tries to get in good with the feds or the bad the, the the bad guys who are trying to um collect bang babies as they're called the people who got their powers from um the big bang um uh for reasons uh which i guess hasn't been borne out and i don't know if it's if it's, is even in the same classic sense or you know uh whatever the case may be but regardless we see uh that virgil kind of gets the the very first version of his um his i guess some would say the classic version of his suit that he ends up making um uh but not the one that is on the cover as you if you're watching the uh video version um so that is a treat for for longtime milestone fans uh and he also we find out find a little bit more about uh, uh virgil's inspirations in this uh in this uh issue which again probably a little bit more modern than the original milestone comics, uh, had, um, set upon, but it's been a good read. So I've been enjoying it so far. Uh, you should check it out if you are so inclined next up. Uh, let's see. Wonder girl. Number three, the creative team is uh, writer, Joel Jones, art by Joel Jones and Adriana Mello. Uh, colors by Jody Belair. And I believe Joel Jones, um, no. No, no, should just start. Yeah. Um uh colors by Jody Belair and letters by Clayton Cowles, not with three C. <laughs> um at this or at least uh, or at least not for this anyhow. Um that's just for Marvel stuff. So um uh Yara Floor Floor and her I guess new friend slash love interest. I'm not even sure what they are, but definitely friends get lost in the wood and they run into Eros, the God of love 
who's apparently trying to track her down, who has tracked her down and tried to shoot her with his one of his arrows. For some odd reason, because the gods have some some play uh, into what's going on with Yara and a bunch of people are trying to find her. Uh, this is just the first people to do it, but she's also in the woods where she finds out that she's possibly the protector of these woods or something, but there's also something chasing her and her new friend in here. Uh, some of which didn't necessarily get buried out, but this gets brought up. And on the other side of that, we see Artemis and Cassie Sandsmark uh, kind of teaming up after they get attacked because they are also looking for Yara. Uh, and so are some other uh, Themyscarians, um, uh for for some odd reason. So yeah, like I said, a bunch of people are looking for Yara. Uh, somebody, some folks have found her, and the other people, other folks are still looking for. Uh, and that's the crux of this issue. Teen Titans Academy Academy number six. Pardon me while I look. Oh, I forgot. There's a couple of books I totally forgot to um, read that I meant to. Uh, creative team Team Sheridan. Tim Sheridan, excuse me, is the writer. Uh, pencils by Rafa Sandoval. Inks by John Tarragona. Colors by UC, uh, Ulysses uh, Ariola, excuse me, and letters by Rob Lee. Um, so, the kids are on some uh, on a summer great summer break and decide to have a, a pool party by this pond, like just outside of town or just outside the city. Uh, they run afoul of some trouble in the form of some mind control townies. Um, uh, there was a Scooby game reference, which was kind of amusing. Um, which, of course, you know, <laughs> Scooby being a DC property, not uh, not outside the realm of possibilities. Uh, but uh, it was kind of amusing to see in this context. Uh, and we find out who's behind it, who is related to one of the students. Um, and we kind of find out that, uh, I guess... I don't know if the, the, the said student is under mind control, but apparently is, uh, is also along with the plan who wasn't initially. Um, and that's pretty much that. Transformers, number 34. This train keeps on trucking. We'll have some more Transformers news in the, in, in the news section, by the way. That's totally different from this. Uh, writer, Brian Ruckley. Uh, art by Anna Malkova. Colors by David Garcia Cruz and Evan Gaunt. Letters by Jake M. Wood. And I totally forgot to put something down for that. But the crux of this issue is that um, Termagex, who is probably a newer character in the canon of Transformers, but in, in this uh, timeline has been around for a minute, has who was the leader of the Centicons, but uh, and had Megatron as kind of a... Um, um, or once upon a time was the head of the uh, Centicons, uh, of which Megatron has taken over and has now become the Decepticons at this point and kind of has gone against her her teachings mentorship. So she's hiding out from him because of something that happened a couple of issues ago. Uh, and she's holding um, a somewhat a major power that will probably come into play a little bit more at some point, but has already been used at one point by some other folks. Uh, so Megatron's after her and ends up sending the Insecticons after her and she gets attacked 
uh, she and the people that are with her gets attacked and um, it goes a, a certain way up until the the end of the um, of the end of the issue where some folks come in to help that we haven't seen in a minute or now to think about it in the pages of this book probably never at least one particular one that shows up anyway uh, so we talked about that. We talked about that. Uh, Web W E B of Spider Man uh, number four, which yes, this is still going on. Uh, the creative team is Kevin Sh- uh, Shinnick is the writer. Art by Alberto Albuquerque. Color artist uh, Rachel Rosenberg. So Amazon Cho joins up with the crew in Paris. Um, uh, Starting off in a quite accusatory tone, but ends up kind of joining the folks as because of uh, the Paris facility of W of Web ends up getting attacked the same way as the uh, New York facility uh, by this fake uh, Green Goblin. Uh, so the team splits up in half. I um, don't know why none of these people know that uh, Peter Parker is Spider-Man at this point, uh, even though they're a bunch of geniuses. I suspect they probably do, but we'll see if that actually comes to, comes to, um, if that bears out because I think there's only like one or two issues left in this. Um, but we end up finding out who these this fake goblin is, and we do get a name that I'm not very much familiar with, but I'm sure we'll get a little bit more on it um, uh, um, in the next issue. And last but not least, uh, Dark Days, number one, which is written by um, Tom Taylor, art by Iban Coelho, color artist uh, Brian Reber, and letters by VCs Joe Sabino. So, this is another Tom Taylor joint, um, not too far away from uh, Injustice or uh, Deceased. Uh, if you've read any of those or, or if you've played the Injustice um, fighting game, um, there are some familiar beats in this stuff. And I kind of hate to say that because, uh, but it's true. Also, also kind of familiar for another DC event where, um, uh, where a similar thing ends up happening, I guess, for a reason. But this is a Marvel joint. So, um, the heroes of the Marvel Universe uh, end up coming across a major threat uh, thanks to the thanks to the Peter Parker. This is definitely set in a different uh, reality because uh, Peter and Mary Jane has has their daughter May. Um, so we definitely are in another uh, timeline uh, right off the bat, and uh, I think a couple of other things that are different in there, you know. Uh, you know, Human Torch is not in flames, uh, in perpetual flames, as he is in, in current uh, comic books. But regardless, that sets that up. So, um, there's an impending doom that's happening, that's befalling the Earth, and the, the Watcher kind of comes in and tells folks what they're dealing with. So they hatch a plan to kind of deal with it. And I don't know if uh, if uh, Agent 70 is um, going to read this or not, actually. I'm not sure yet. I'm still deciding. Yeah. So basically, they come up with a plan. It kind of goes uh, a certain way, uh, and in going into the next um, 
issue. I'm not going to say one way or the other how it goes, but, you know, um, you know, some things happen. And like I said, um, if you've read Deceased um, specifically, there's, like, there's pretty much some some similar beats that, um, or at the very least, there's a couple of similar beats that happened um, during the course of this issue that's like, that seems kind of familiar in that. And like I said, whatever that other DC event was that where it got perpetually dark, uh, the, the Earth got perpetually dark and, and dying, uh, I think it's zero hour. Was that zero hour? Or I Final couldn't Night? tell you. Oh. Might have been Fight or Night or something like that. I can't remember what it was. Regardless, it, it was a, there was an event that kind of counted down the last days of Earth because of some, you know, Earth shattering event. Uh, this is something similar, and the 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 thing, personal thing behind it, I don't know what that is. It seems celestial in nature, but I don't don't really know at this point. Regardless, that's the thing. Uh, it's going into the the, the next um, issue, and uh, I I guess I'll see where it goes. And that, folks, is it for me. And now we can go to Clicks of the Week. Clicks of the Week! Uh, apparently we don't yeah, have... Mine is, mine is easy. I don't think we have anything from our uh, absentee co-hosts. We do not. So I am going to... You know, like I said, I only have three things to choose from. I am going to go with Avengers number 48... Because it did, in fact, advance the story, mm-hmm. uh, and we got to see a little bit of the fallout from uh, Gorilla Man's decisions to uh, to betray the Avengers, and we'll see where that goes in the next issue or two. Because I know they're gearing up for a big issue fifty anniversary. Yes, indeed, indeed. Um, oh, that's where I was going with that whole indeed thing. So. Uh, um, a side note while I'm thinking about mine, which I think I already kind of know it. Um, I'm just going to put this out there. If they ever do another G.I. Joe movie, and they probably will, and I think they are going to actually do that, they should consider having Lance Reddick play Destro. I think he would make a good classic Destro if they do him right. They have not been shown to do that with any other characters lately, as we will may possibly talk about one day with Snake Eyes Chacha uh, Origins, but we'll get to that on some other occasion. You muted again. I was about to say, if I ever get around to watching that movie. Yes, indeed. Because I have just watched it, and 8 to 70 did not. Um, that being said, my click of the week is probably going to be... Um, this is kind of one of those weeks is like while it's the first week of the month like Agent 70 said it's kind of a fifth week it feels like a fifth week situation that's not saying nothing quality comes out on a fifth week but they just kind of throw some things out there or it feels like it's kind of throw some things out there like you know actually kind of technically kind of was given that like uh, Agent 70 said it was a it was a holiday but um Magic the Gathering number six I guess I'll go with like I said, there was um, the the Teen Titans uh, Academy book was all right. That Wonder Girl book was okay. And that definitely the the if I had to pick another one, the Static uh, book was actually also pretty good. And I'm actually no, I stick with what I got. Yeah, the, the, the Static one is definitely worth worth checking out. But I, I am definitely going to go with uh, Magic the Other number six. And that being said, folks, we can go on to the news section. But first, an ad read. 
Our first ad read of the night is for Blue Apron's meal delivery service. Blue Apron has fresh ingredients and incredible recipes delivered weekly to your door. Skip the grocery store and make incredible meals at home with Blue Apron. Always shipped free right to your home. And now the listeners of the Comic Book Chronicles can get $30 off your first Blue Apron order. To place your first order with $30 off and to help keep our show free for you, go to our network website at cspn.us. That's cspn.us. Then click on the Keep Our Podcasts free link at the top of the page. From there, scroll down to the Blue Apron link and sign up for your first order. Blue Apron through cspn.us. Do it today. And now we get into the news. And as we do uh, every time about this time, we're going to get into uh, the cinematic news. Starting off with um, The Gifted was set in an obliterated timeline to avoid colliding with the X-Men films, according to uh, the showrunner. Uh, so apparently, um, below the before the merger between Disney and Fox uh, allowed most Marvel characters to exist in the same cinematic universe, continuity within the X Men films was hard to pin down. For the TV series The Gifted, the connection to the films was even more tenuous. Long story short, uh, they were told that they have to stay out of the way of the movies, uh, so they can't touch the X Men movies. And uh, so the um, the showrunner of the show, Matt Nix. Uh, came up with the idea to basically make it in a timeline that gets taken out in, uh, I guess, taken out in uh, Days of Future Past. Or, uh, yeah, to find my way around the hurdle, uh, I was just the guy that came in with the best idea for staying out of the way of the room. Hey, remember in Days of Future Past, how they go back in time and there's an anti-music just Toby in the future, and then this time it looks like it's our time. Using that area as the setting for the gift strip meant that nothing happened. Nothing that happened would affect the movies. Um, just give me the years in between, and then my show will get erased, and it doesn't matter, says uh, Matt Nix. So there you go. It's an interesting way to, to to deal with it. Makes sense, I guess, in that context. Next up. Alrighty, Clark Gregg throws cold water on any hopes for a Coulson revival in Phase 4. So, uh, in an interview with Entertainment Weekly regarding uh, a what-if episode, uh, a previous what-if episode, uh, Clark Gregg touched on the topic of the character's possible future in the MCU. When asked what he would hope to see from Coulson in What If?, or other Marvel projects going forward, Greg confirmed his involvement is limited. He expressed excitement for the Phase 4 film slate, but only as a viewer, not an actor. Greg's answer threw cold water on recent rumors that Coulson will get a second chance at life in another Marvel project. And regarding fan speculation, the actor doubled down on his answer. He said he has followed the rumors, but he has only followed them as an avid fan. So while Greg said Coulson has no foreseeable MCU revival, he expressed gratitude for the chances he's had to return to the character. Uh, on Agent 70 note, bear in mind, uh, Clark Gregg is definitely aware of the Marvel snipers, unlike <laughs> Alfred Molina. Exactly. 
Um, and I'm not sure what place the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. ended up, but I'm almost fairly certain that even despite them, I believe, spoiler alert, I believe there was a death of his character or a character he played mm-hmm. uh, in the course of that show. He may still be around because I think that he came back as another character, but that thing, I don't know what happened with that, but I've, I've seen some things on that show that I need to catch up on. I feel compelled to, to be caught up on regardless. Oh. That show's kind of not Canon sort of. Uh, it's kind of sort of, yeah, it's yeah. a kind of sort of thing. You know, we've seen how, uh, the, what if shows may be pulling some things back into Canon, mm-hmm. but we'll see how, we'll see how, uh, this develops along the way. Right. At a because, certain point, yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, I was just going to say because as as a as a fan of the Inhumans, I really hope they just trash the uh, what, what what came uh, in 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 that awful form and just use you know the good parts of it. But unfortunately, uh, Inhumans is on Disney Plus, so it's kind of hard for them to scrap it. I still never watched that. Um... No, I never watched it, and I don't intend to. I think I watched uh, like the first half of the first episode or something, and then right. I just got annoyed. Right. Yeah, I heard not great things about that whole thing. So, but I still, at some point, still plan on watching it. Yeah, Age of Seal, I liked uh, very much more. Like at a certain point, as I was gonna say, uh, it was kind of canon because they were kind of falling behind the movies at the time. And then at a certain point, they just kind of sp- <laughs> they broke off like the timeline, basically. Right. So, which let them kind of go in a whole different, uh, I guess, kind of in a different way. So. Right, and you know. Uh, as Roddy Cap mentioned, uh, you know we don't know if they're going to pull them back in at some point. And obviously, Loki has brought up uh, an, a relatively easy way for a lot of these semi-canon stories to actually become canon. Exactly. Um, and as far as we know, Agents of could be in another timeline at this point. And, and I kind of wish they would, because there was a couple of characters I would love to see in the MCU as played by the ones. I call some being one of them, I guess. You know. Um, uh, well. Yeah, and, and a couple of other characters well, from that show. Well, you know, exactly. I mean, look, Agent, we want Agent May back, and we'll yes, see if. Absolutely. Honestly, we'll see if you know. And I think this is the, uh, the this was some of the speculation that um, Chloe Bennett's character Quake may actually end up coming uh, up during uh, Secret Invasion because that's filming now. Right. And some of the speculation is that she left that Powerpuff Girls live action show because she got called by Marvel. I hope that is the case. Yes, and that definitely was a spe- uh, speculation, and I'm hoping that's kind of the case. So I would love to see that being the case. Because, yeah, her character is all right, too. I, I, I enjoyed, ended up liking her character a lot more in the uh, throughout the course. But definitely Agent May, definitely Coulson. Uh, bring back Mockingbird, yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um and whose name's escaping me who played her but um uh, but regardless yeah bring back some of those folks anyway moving right along next up you go next oh no no I took that one oh wait hold no. on well, that was the first. Oh, I'm sorry that was the second one no no yeah 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 you're right you're right I'm sorry that was, I was thinking that was the first one sorry um Hawkeye EP promises a show that's packed with Christmas spirit um hopefully not being done by um um, uh, Shane Black, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, um, because he has a penchant for setting his movies at Christmas for some strange reason. Uh, the Hawkeye executive producer Trin Tran, which reminds me of Trini from Power Rangers, weirdly enough, uh, revealed that 
upcoming Disney Plus limited series will be full of Christmas spirit, apparently. Uh, while speaking to TV Guide, Tran delved into the first meeting between the original Hawkeye, Clint Barton, and a soon-to-be successor, Kate Bishop, who worshipped him and has trained uh, for years to be like Clint. Uh, quote-unquote, Kate is looking for ways to implement those skills, Tran stated. Uh, that's when she runs into Clint, who has no idea who she is and who really doesn't, who doesn't really understand her obsession with him. Um, and honestly, uh, in the beginning, neither did we, uh, or neither did readers, but, you know. Um, Tran also called Hawkeye grounded and funny and packed to the brim with Christmas spirit. However, things in uh, New York won't be completely merry as the series takes place after Avengers Endgame. Uh, and, and last quote here is, uh, the city has in many ways recuperated and continued thriving, she, she concluded, but the same can't be same said for all its citizens. Well, there you go. Next. On the one-year anniversary of Chadwick Boseman's passing, uh, multiple Marvel collaborators paid tribute to the Black Panther star memory via social media. Uh... Marvel Entertainment, Marvel Studios, and other accounts and stars posted a photo of Bozeman and message to their respective social media pages, writing, honoring our friend, our inspiration, and our king, Chadwick Bozeman. So, yeah, some of that comes from um, the uh, the closing to the uh, What If episode two. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, but uh, it's something that is, uh, you know, is out there, uh, you know, that, that, that's been out there since uh, Bozeman's untimely passing. Uh uh, Black Panther actor Lupita Nyong'o, who played uh, T'Challa's love interest Nakia, also shared an image of the two of them together out of costume. Uh, let's see, you know, and and Bozeman died on uh, August twenty eighth, twenty twenty, from stage four colon cancer. Yep, uh, sorely missed. Definitely, uh, even you know, with uh, the what if, there was definitely people um, having some feelings. Oh yeah, in in and around the anniversary and that episode, and he's by the way, which by the way, he I think he still has uh like what three more uh, appearances in what if? Yeah, like two or three more, something like that. Yeah, cause I think it was supposed to be like four, uh, so that was and was, that was only one, I believe that's the case. Anyway, so um, the Mandalorian's eight biggest reveals about the making of season two finale. So basically, this is um. Uh, an article going to say that hey, Disney Plus has a um, Disney gallery, the The Mandalorian, that you folks may want to check out if you um, are interested in the behind the scenes making of that finale and and parts of that um, season two. I have not watched it yet. I, I meant to oh, it it's now. too bad. It's yeah, good. It's I know. Excellent. I heard. I've, I've heard. Um, it is I, excellent, excellent stuff. Yeah, I was, I, I was very much impressed at the levels of dedication by the crew and by the people who were involved. And they talked about how uh, the voice work wasn't exactly voice work. I won't spoil it. Right. I think we did talk about it uh, in the aftermath as as news slowly leaked out about it. But uh, to have that confirmed and to see how. They used uh, some, uh, you know, computer aided capabilities to 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 affect that particular voice effect. Yes. 
you know, that's part of the, you know, that's, it's unfortunately going to become more and more part of the uh, discussion as, uh, you know, we, we get voices for characters by actors who aren't with us anymore. Right. But also, I did see part of this article that said that, um, which I still would have enjoyed if that was the case. They were, I think there was a fake script where another Jedi of of, of note, to some degree, to some uh, some folks, I actually liked the Jedi. That would have been the one to come uh, in place of Juke, uh, uh, in place of Luke. Which, if that had been the right. case, I've been I've been fine with that actually. But apparently, it was it was a it was a swerve. Right. Um, well, because they knew they put it in as a swerve because apparently that's uh, Dave Filoni's favorite Jedi character. Mm-hmm. I don't blame. Him. I, I enjoy that character, and it makes sense because yeah, if you think about Clone Wars and this and the character, well, the character didn't get had some moments in Clone Wars, but not to the extent of some of the other characters that were more more uh, presented. But definitely, I, I like this character um, as well. Maybe may or may not be as as much as Filoni, but yeah, I definitely enjoyed. And if you're watching the video version, you can see the the Jedi in question in a um, some concept art uh, for a scene for the in the um, in the finale. And if you're not watching the uh, video version, you should sometime. It's good stuff. Uh, but next up, uh, you're muted. My apologies. Uh, the Rocketeer is making a comeback on Disney Plus with David Oyelowo producing and circling to star. Ed Rycourt is penning or writing, I presume. Mm-hmm. Uh, Disney is reviving a cult classic favorite, The Rocketeer, with a new Disney Plus movie titled The Return of the Rocketeer. David and Jessica Oyelowo are producing under the Yoruba Saxon banner. The project, written by Ed Rycourt, will also be a possible starring project for the Selma actor. The original movie, released in 1991, was directed by Joe Johnston, who went on to direct Captain America, the first Avenger, mm-hmm. and adapted from Dave Stevens' graphic novel. In that film, which made close to $47 million at the box at the domestic box office and became a fan fave for the studio, a young pilot stumbles onto a prototype jetpack that allows him to become a high-flying masked hero. Okay. Yeah, and upon reflection, uh, reading that, it's like, yeah, I totally forgot that was a Joe Johnson because I remember watching the the Rocketeer, and you could definitely see some similarities in style, and it's also a period piece uh, at a certain point um, in Captain America: The First Avenger and the Rocketeer, which is, by the way, right. on Disney Plus if you have that uh, option to watch it again if you want to. Right. Uh, just as a final note, the return of the Rocketeer will have an all new creative directive with Rycourt's story focusing on a retired Tuskegee airman who takes up the Rocketeer mantle. Okay. Okay, and I guess so. Uh, I'm, we can probably save it safely soon. Um, David Owell, Oyelowo, uh, is going to be the star of this also. I'm kind probably. Of cu- yeah, I'm curious as to what made him think about it. what What was like, hey, Rocketeer, this, that's something I want to do. <laughs> you got me? Yeah, I mean, you can. I feel like there's some speculations I can I can make, especially given the 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 uh, prevalence of comic book movies right now. Uh, but we won't. We don't. Yeah, it is what it is. Next up, though, uh, 
Chris Evans, Scarlett Johansson teaming up for an action movie from Deadpool writers. Weird. Um, Scarlett Johansson and excuse me, Chris Evans and Scarlett Johansson two supers. Oh, y'all know who that is. Good lord, I don't know why they do this stuff. Um, they're set to appear in another movie together, but it's not a new comic book or a superhero film. Uh, Evans and Johansson will star in the movie Ghosted, which is described as an adventure movie project. It's being produced for Apple. Uh, so chances are not that many people are going to watch it. Um, anyway, Dexter Fletcher, who directed Rocket Man, is directing uh, Ghosted. Uh, direct Deadpool writers Rhett Reese and Paul Wernick are writing the script and producing. Uh, the plot is a secret, but the Hollywood Reporter described it as being like a high-concept romantic action adventure in the vein of Romancing the Stone. Uh, and if you're of a certain um, vintage, you actually know what that is. <laughs> I don't think they've remade that one this, just yet, so let's hope they never do. Yeah. Um, starring uh, Michael Douglas and Kathleen Turner. So, and then it goes on to some other stuff about the uh, Scarlett Johansson's recent lawsuit, but we don't need to necessarily get into that. Next up. The fourth and final Adventure Time Distant Land special, Wizard City, premieres on HBO Max early this September. Um, is officially... Uh, slated to arrive on HBO Max early this month, actually. Not next month anymore. Um, It premiered yesterday, apparently, on Thursday, September 2nd. The special follows Peppermint Butler as he, quote, starts a new life as just another inexperienced wizard school student. But when mysterious events around campus cast suspicion on Pep and his checkered past, can he master the mystic arts in time to prove his innocence? Okay. Sure. I have not watched any of those uh, specials. Matter of fact, I have really haven't seen much of Adventure Time. Although the couple of things I've seen are not bad. I, don't know. I'm... I was about to say, you know what my reaction is, right? Who? Who? Mm-hmm. Thank you. <laughs> I saw that one coming, but um, actually, from what I've seen of Adventure Time, it's actually pretty good. Like I said, I, I want to go through the whole series, series, but uh, in due time. Next up, though, um, from the the world of Titans, Blackfire finally arrives, but there's a twist. Uh, And this is spoilers for Season 3, Episode 4, which is called Blackfire, which is now out on HBO Max. Won't necessarily go too far into this, but basically, Blackfire, who is uh, Starfire's sister, shows up, but not in in the classic way that one would know her in from the comics, Um, apparently. So that's exactly right. Yes. So and, exact- just, and actually, I'll just leave it at that because again, she kind of comes in a, in a way different from the comics, and and Titans is in a different world that doesn't really hold too closely to the comics anyway. Nope, so no, 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 no. It holds almost nothing <laughs> sacred. It yes. is all just throwing down napalm on every. Uh, warm memory that people have of the new Teen Titans, uh, especially during the Wolfman and Perez run. Uh, you know, we had a former guest talk about how he had never read those comics and was writing this book, any, writing this show anyway, and is now an executive producer or a producer on the show. Yes. Brian Edward Hill. Yep. And I was flabbergasted, as uh, an old French teacher would say. Uh, I'll tell you that. Uh, Titans 
I think Roddy Cat said something along the lines of he doesn't have the time to spare to hate watch things because, you know, for academic purposes. Uh, I do in the sense that I want to see what I hate and, <laughs> you know, and, and, and be able to back up why I hate it. And Titans is now officially hate watching material wow. because as much as you know as much as you know i I like a few decisions creative decisions that they take i will hate the overall direction that much more right so i had it's, to that uh, point. it's very much a hate watch right i hadn't got to that point i think i've watched like three episodes of it and i was like i'll come back to it not that i didn't like it it's just sort of like okay uh, there was other things at the time i was watching a little bit more um, but now I may come back and, and see what's going on. Like, you know, out of a, I, definitely out of a curiosity to see where the, the, the end of the first season goes, it, you know, looks at if I end up not, not liking it, then I'm just gonna, but any chance to see more of, uh, of, um, of, um, um, Anna Diop's, uh, Starfire, uh, I'm down with. <laughs> hey, any who's. You know, the- on to each their own. Exactly. Um, um, Doom Patrol. Oh, wait. No, this is you. Sorry. Oh, that's right. Doom Patrol drops the first photos of Sabrina alum Michelle Gomez's Season 3 villain. Yeah. The first images of Doctor Who and Chilling Adventures of Sabrina actor Michelle Gomez as Madame Rouge in Season 3 of Doom Patrol have arrived. New photos from season three of Doom Patrol feature the debut of Michelle Gomez's Madame Rouge. Okay. Entertainment Weekly shared the images, which feature two different looks at the classic comic book foe of the misfit superheroes. Okay. So, you know, fans of Doctor Who know who uh, uh, Michelle Gomez is. Missy, uh, you know, the, the very much a good uh, villain actress uh, from that show and, and other things she's done. So... This is interesting. I have not... Doom Patrol is another one I have not... Actually, I don't think I've seen any of Doom Patrol. Now that I think about it. I think I might have watched the first episode. If that. So, you know, knowing that she's in it, yeah, that, that'll lift the show up a little bit more. <laughs> uh, whether I get to watch it or not, we'll see. Next up, though, uh, Matt Ryan explained Constantine's departure from Legends of Tomorrow. Um kind of goes into the past with his Constantine show with uh, NBC, but um, but apparently we find out that uh, the viewers didn't find out that Ryan was leaving uh, Legends until Comic-Con at home, but according to him, his exit w- has been in the works for quite some time. Um, Quote-unquote, uh, I knew before I started shooting the season, uh, it was the last season the, that we knew it was going to happen, so we had a conversation and it was like, oh, okay. Um, so when the original Constantine show was canceled, which by the way, if you, if you get a chance to watch the show, it was really good. You should check it out. It's probably on Peacock or something. I have no idea. Um, it felt like that was unfinished business. I felt like I wish that I could get to play out this character in a way that, uh, that I didn't get to because it, it, that show ended on a cliff cliffhanger that really made me upset that, that they should have returned to, which I still don't think they did in, in this, but regardless, Anyway, uh, who would have thought that seven years later I'd still be playing the character get, uh, getting to explore? 
uh, Ryan said. So regardless, you know, he kind of goes on from there, uh, saying that you know his love of the character and playing the character, and um, you know, despite the fact that you know while he's not playing Constantine before, we've had a story like within the last week or two saying that he's still going to be on the show as another different character, just not that one. So uh, there you go. Next up. Next up, BAFTA Award winner Tony Curran of Your Honor and Ray Donovan has joined the cast of the CW's The Flash in the role of Despero. He is currently filming the upcoming eighth season of the series. The character is described as a powerful and intelligent alien possessing incredible telepathic powers who left his homeworld, Kalinor, under mysterious circumstances. Now he's facing a deadly mission on Earth one whose outcome will decide the fate of humankind and put him on a collision course with Team Flash. Okay. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, I also Despero Despero is a supervillain created by Gardner Fox and Mike Sakowski who made his first appearance in the 1960 hmm. DC comic A Justice League of America number 1. Okay. Mm-hmm. I did not know Despero had been around that long. Neither did I, but there's a whole lot of DC stuff I don't know too much about so it's not surprising. Um I know Tony Coran. I know from that uh, sci-fi show uh, Defiance, uh, and he was pretty good in that. And I've seen, I think I've seen him in elsewhere since since then. So I guess it's a it's a good fit for that. Uh, next up, uh, Bridget Regan. Is it Reagan or Regan? I guess it's right Regan. Um, to play Poison Ivy in season three of Batwoman. Uh, so yeah, the CW's Batwoman has um, tapped uh, B- Bridget Regan to play Pamela Isley, Ivy, uh, Isley, excuse me, aka Poison Ivy for the drama series upcoming third season. Opposite star Javicia Leslie, uh, Regan will reoccur as a former botany student of uh, Gotham University, a passionate, just, uh, brilliant scientist with a mind for changing the world for the better. If you know the character of Poison Ivy, you. You know, you kind of know where that goes. Um, will Harley Quinn end up showing up on the show? Probably not. That's me speculation. I don't know. But, um, uh, and this article goes on to talk about the other people that they've added um, for this next season. Uh, and there you go. Again, another show that I have not been watching. Next up. Next up, Lucifer Season 6's animated episode has recruited HBO Max's Harley Quinn team, uh, the team behind HBO Max's Harley Quinn series. Uh, in order to make this unconventional chapter in its final, uh, in uh, Netflix's Lucifer's outing, final outing of reality, the devilish crime drama enlisted team members from an entirely different DC Comics adaptation as uh, aforementioned HBO Max's Harley Quinn. In an interview with Collider, Lucifer co-showrunner Joe Henderson revealed that Harley Quinn supervising producer Jennifer Coyle and a team of animators from the show stepped in to handle the animation for Yabba Dabba Do Me. It's an episode written by Henderson and directed by Nathan Hope. The animated adventure will serve as Lucifer Season 6's third episode. Okay. Uh, a show that I did not know was still on the air. Although I know... It, had, I guess it was, I, I was... I'm pretty sure we announced that it had been revived on Netflix. Yeah, I was about to say, yeah, I know we've had um, 
articles about it or whatever the case may be, but still. <laughs> uh, the Batman, Gotham Knights, Aquaman 2 headline DC Fandom 2021 stream schedule. So, yes, uh, DC Fandom is back once again on October 16th. Uh, apparently, it's gone down to one day as opposed to the two days from the last time, which I don't know if it says something or not, but hey. Um, so, yeah, DC Fandom, DC's entertainment streaming fan event, uh, and I'm going to take this next one because it is related, if I'm, uh, I believe. Uh, yes. Uh, in the announced schedule, Warner Bros. Pictures promised a new trailer for The Batman, along with glimpses of other 2022 releases like Black Adam, The Flash, and Aquaman 2. Um, along with DC Movies, the lineup promises new looks at upcoming comics, games, and animated projects. Uh, scheduled to make a second bow at DC Fandom are Gotham Knights, which is the, um, the, the video game that is upcoming I'm looking forward to. The, the Batman uh, Ensemble action game that is coming up next year from WB Montreal and Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League, which is another game by Rocksteady Studios, uh, makers of the Batman Arkham series. So I'm looking forward to both of those, actually. Uh, and it just kind of goes on from there, talking about some other stuff that is going to be uh, in the event. And on that front... Uh, in the next article, Peacemaker prepares for DC fandom with a fitting new poster. So we all know John Cena is getting a um, HBO Max series uh, named Peacemaker based off his character from The Suicide Squad. Because you got to have the, the there. Uh, there was this photo, which if you're watching the video version of the program, you can see here, which was from the, um, the DC Peacemaker Twitter account. Uh, which says give peace a effing chance and it has um, I guess peacemaker with the two fingers out of his car uh, and uh, the show date and DC's uh, DC hashtag DC fandom uh, there so there you go that's going to be another thing that they're going to show at the show and probably, I guess, John Cena's probably going to be in the costume again at some, uh, during, that, during that thing, I assume. Next up. Next up, a uh, merry little Batman movie is announced by DC. Uh, <laughs> Warner Media announced this past Tuesday that uh, Merry Little Batman, a new animated film that will air as part of Cartoon Network's Acme Night block of programming before debuting on HBO Max at a later date, is going to come out. A release date and a ca- and cast have not been set for the animated family action comedy, but we do know that the project will follow Damian Wayne Robin and is aiming to join the rogues gallery of classic holiday movies. Okay. Um... By the way, I am reminded that um, so the Suicide Squad is going to leave uh, HBO Max um, soon, quite soon. So if you haven't watched it yet, you might want to go ahead and check it out while it's still there. Anywho, uh, Lily Wachowski reveals why she didn't come back for The Matrix 4. Uh, let's see. The Matrix Resurrections, as the, the, as we found out from last week, is the name of the Matrix Four. We'll re- reunite several cast members from the original trilogy whenever it arrives this winter. 
however, one of the most notable absences is Lily Wachowski, um, who wrote and directed the first three films with her sister Lana. Uh, now we finally know why Lana is following Solo on the series' next uh, installment. Uh, Lily, via the rap, recently appeared during the TCA panel to plug the second season of her Showtime series, Work in Progress, which premiered earlier this week, or the week of what this, uh, I guess last week. Um, when asked about Resurrection, she explained that she was feeling exhausted due to the lack of breaks between her recent filmmaking endeavors, which included uh, Cloud Atlas, Jupiter Ascending, and the first season of Netflix's season, uh, Sense8, all of which she worked on with Lana. So the idea of taking on a project as big as another Matrix movie seemed uh, like too much pressure at the time. Moreover, this sense of burnout also kept her from working on since eight second, second season. So there you go. Next up. Next up, as reported by Variety, Netflix has tapped Victoria Mahoney to direct its sequel to The Old Guard, the superhero action adventure led by Charlize Theron. The Old Guard premiered on Netflix in July 2020 and by the streaming service's vague metrics appears to have been a hit, garnering 78 million views in its first four weeks. Uh, Gina Prince-Bythewood directed the first film uh, based on the comic book book by Greg Rucka, but opted not to return uh, because uh, because she was working on other projects. uh, Prince-Bythewood was eager to pass the reins to Mahoney, who recently served as second unit director on the J.J. Abrams directed Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker. (laughs) That sigh you just made. (laughs) Anyway. Did you you watch that old guard? I think you did. You watched that old guard movie, movie, didn't you? Mm -hmm. You liked it? Yeah, it was good. I have still yet to watch it. Watch it. Anywho. um, Oh, dear. Oops. Huh. Um, well, apparently Gizmodo might be down, but nevertheless, we still got, we still got, uh, the next story in that, do, 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 let me pull up my notes here. My apologies. Do, 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 do. Star Trek's prodigy beams up some bad guys. So, uh, Star Trek's big new break into kid focused animation with prodigy has already given us a motley crew of alien teens, a Starfleet Starfleet legend to guide them and even a glimpse of their slick new ship. But now we know that what they're going to be up against, and it's already sounding very good. Uh, Deadline has confirmed that two major antagonists in the series will be voiced by Lord of the Rings, Legends of Tomorrow, Fringe, and about a billion other beloved shows and films, John Noble, and uh, Black Mirror, West World, and House of Cards, Jimmy Simpson. Jimmy, yeah, Jimmy Simpson, excuse me. Noble will voice a character known as the, the Diviner, the diviner, excuse me, or the diviner, I guess, I'm, which way you want to say that, described as a ruthless tyrant who runs the asteroid Tars Lamora with an iron fist. And he also has a connection to one of the characters. Meanwhile, Simpson will voice Dreadnought, which sounds like the Dreadnoughts of G.I. Joe fame, a spider-like robotic guard and the diviner's right hand. So there you go. So let's see. We don't. I guess we don't have any. We don't know when this is going to premiere, but it's going to be on Paramount Plus later this year, later this year, and there'll be more about it in on Star Trek Day on the eighth. Uh, next up. Next up. 
Mm-mm-mm. Umbrella Academy season three has a wrapped production. Um, Netflix announced the season three of the Umbrella Academy has wrapped with a new video featuring the show stars. Uh, let's see. Uh, Netflix has shared a new video featuring the stars of the Umbrella Academy announcing that season three has wrapped production and hyping the upcoming episodes. Okay. And it's posted to Twitter. The video kicks off with Vanya Hargreaves, actor Elliot Page, saying he's stoked because he can't wait for you to see it and sad because I'll miss everybody. Okay. Hmm. So there's some other reactions here from the cast. And okay, I mean, are are you up on the show? No, I've not watched any of it. It's good. Mm-hmm. It's good. I'm not a fan. I mean, I've never really read the the comic book, so I don't have anything to base it off of. And I think it's pretty good. So I would recommend it. I've heard that. I heard like season one, well, uh, season two might have been a little down, but still pretty good from what I heard from people who have actually watched it. Also, That's exactly I- right. Yeah, that's exactly also, right. Also, I like that shirt uh, Elliot Page is wearing in the um, in the um, thumbnail of the the, the uh, tweet to that video. <laughs> uh, which, for the people not watching the video version, it says written and directed by the Wachowski sisters. Uh, next up, four classic Gundam titles coming to Funimation. Uh, so Funimation has partnered with the anime studio uh, Sunrise to provide more mumble, mobile mumble, mobile suit Gundam content for its subscribers to enjoy. Um, as announced by Funimation, beginning September 7th, English subbed and dubbed version of Mobile Suit Gundam Narrative, uh, Mo- Mobile Suit Gundam Wing, which I'm surprised wasn't on there actually, and Mobile, uh, mobile Suit Zeta Gundam, and Mobile Suit Gundam The Origin, which again also surprised wasn't on there, uh, will be will be available on its streaming service in Canada, the United States, United Kingdom, uh, Ireland, Australia, and New Zealand. The four titles will join Funimation's already extensive collection of entries from the Gundam franchise, including the original Mobile Suit Gundam anime, uh, Mobile Suit Gundam Iron Blooded Orphans, and UC, which is Unicorn. I know Agent 70 has been doing a run of Mobile Suit Gundam uh, anime at some point. I don't know if you've gone back to that. Well, I know I just did MSG, you know, right. uh, Mobile Suit Gundam team, MSG uh, 1808 team, yes. 8 team. Oh, that's one of my favorites. Right. I watched that and I have not yet really. I, I tried uh, Wing, Gundam mm-hmm. Wing. And, uh, you know, now that it's jumped over to Funimation, maybe I'll give it another shot. I mean, I think I was watching it on Hulu. Yes. I believe that's so, what you say. Yeah. so you know, maybe I'll be maybe I'll be uh, able to uh, do it without commercials. Yeah, we'll we, see. Yeah, we've we've talked about Wing. I, I personally love Wing, but I also know it can get a little up its own asses sometimes. So I understand it could be a <laughs> a hard proposition for some people. So pretty much, yeah. Uh, anyway. And last but not least, yes. Uh, Hasbro is releasing all seasons, all seasons of the 80s Transformers G1 animated series on YouTube. Woo! Yes. Uh, um, 
Seriously. Yes. So, yeah, so they had so if you've seen if you follow my Twitter account, you saw this news last week when it when it first dropped because I was very stoked and was also a little uh, wrong about the uh, the the beginning three parter, which I said five parter. I was excited, so you can't no. fault me for that. Um, and you've tried to screw you, uh, but nevertheless, the first sixteen episodes, which I guess does definitely make up the first season, is now on there, uh, and that's according to this article or another article that I've seen, uh, they're, they're releasing them in chunks, which I haven't seen a chunk from this week. Cause I know it's still the last time I checked, which was like yesterday. Um, the, it's still the season one stuff. Um, and I think they did say, or I saw something that said that they are definitely releasing them in chunks weekly. But like I said, I haven't seen, but then again, I totally forgot about it. Cause I think I saw it, Saturday, Friday, um, either Friday going into Saturday, um, like after five o'clock in the morning. So probably, and I, since we are recording on a Friday night, which is not normal for us. And this week has, this weekend has gone by so slow that I thought it was like Saturday already or something. Don't, 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 don't worry about it. Um, that's why the time kind of got away from me. So technically... Okay. I did. I, I of course clicked the link. Of course, um, and I've obviously you know, and they do have a playlist for it now for the first season because they didn't when I first uh, saw it and I made my own playlist. But regardless, so there is definitely a playlist out there on the Hasbro Pulse, Pulse um, YouTube channel of which is hosting it. They don't have a a twenty four hour um, like ongoing channel like they are doing with uh, the GI Joe stuff. Right now, and they still, I don't think they still haven't added all of the, they still haven't added Colt Luther, that's what I know, but I don't know if they added too much more to uh, that particular thing. Hopefully they're going to do that, though. Uh, but nevertheless, this is pretty cool that they're putting them all out there. And I know, like I said, it hadn't come up, but I know there's at least one person who was probably like, well, Roddy, you have all the seasons on DVD, why do you care about this? Because it's on YouTube. And everybody can see. And I can just easily, <laughs> readily, easily get to them. Because I can't get to my stuff right now, even though I've ripped them. Um, it is also the 35th anniversary of the Transformers. And we already know from, from what we've talked about previously that the, the Transformers, the movie, is going to go back into uh, theories, the, the theaters, soon, actually. Sometime this month. Uh, maybe next week or two. I can't remember. But yeah, according to this, like I said, the, the first 16 are out there. The next three seasons will be released weekly, according to the article, for the next three weekends. Like I said, it'll probably, the next uh, season will probably be out there by the time you hear this on audio version. So, if you ever had a chance to, 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 to check out the G1 stuff, you should. It's great stuff. Whether it holds up to nowadays, again, screw you. Um, <laughs> but it's all love. Anyway, the uh, um, we're going to go to wait. Is that it? That was it for the uh, yes. That is it yep, for the. It. That is our news. last story in uh, the cinematic news. So we're going to go over to the comic book news. Uh, New Year Comic Con releases advanced look at programming, including Star Trek and the Comicsology, which there's also going to be some news about Comicsology later in this news section. So, um, New York Comic Con is um, October 7th through the 10th. 
um, and it's coming up rapidly. It's going to be smaller than the show in the past, not surprisingly, given we're still under uh, pandemic uh, conditions. Uh, and just to get folks in the mood, Repop is announced some of the programming highlights. The most exciting news about the uh, NYCC 2021 is that the Javits Center expansion will be open. Uh, the new wing will include more than 500,000 square feet of contiguous ex- exhibition space, a 5,000-seat theater, a rooftop farm, and we're told lots of restrooms, which Agent 70 would probably know um, if that's a good thing or not better than I would, had, given that he has gone to uh, NYCC and I have not yet as the, of this point. Right. I mean, I'm a regular at NYCC. I do have a ticket for this year. I did. I was able to secure a Sunday ticket. Um, with they, believe it or not, they actually were. Um, uh, they actually were able to um, uh, release uh, more tickets. I don't know if they had return excess returns or they just um, were able to, uh, to, to 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 allocate more tickets. It's unlikely that they. You know, allocated more tickets because of any sort of uh, reduction or any sort of easing of uh, pandemic restrictions. That's just not what's happening here in New York State. Sure. So, but ultimately, you know, I, I think what they wanted to do and what they're still trying to do is sell out, which is what they've always done: sell out of tickets every <laughs> for every day. And that's really what their aim is. So, uh, um, you know, this is going to be, you know. The same way last year was an off year for most cons, this year is going to be the same thing. It's going to be uh, part of the transition, you know, from, you know, the height of the pandemic to another height of the pandemic. Maybe we'll see. But ultimately, I'm willing to give, uh, you know, New York Comic Con a shot just to see how it is, you know, uh, you know, observe what what uh, what precautions people are taking. I'll be going on a Sunday this year, so I won't be there on Saturday I don't plan on going for two days. It's I just think it's it's a lot for the pandemic uh, precautions that we have to take. Um, so ultimately, if you're looking to go and you're and you're vaccinated, you're fully vaccinated so that you can get in because you can't get in without it. Uh, twelve, I think it's twelve years and under um, for for those who uh, are not able to uh, yet receive the vaccines. I think you have to have a clean. Uh, a clean COVID test, you know, within the last, you know, several days of, you know, prior to entering into the con. So it's, you know, they're, they're, they're very serious. They're going to be very serious about, um, you know, who they let in hmm. By the way, on top out. of making sure you have a legitimate badge. Right. By the way, shout out to, um, um, I totally forgot until just a second ago that Dragon Con is going on this weekend as it normally does on Labor Day weekend. So shout out to everybody who's there. Um, there may be some news coming out of there that there's not a whole lot of news, uh, comic related. Well, there's some that come out of Dragon Con, but not a whole, whole lot. Um, but maybe there'll be some in the, in the coming days and we'll talk about next week. Um, oh. Stop. Yes. Uh, Titan to publish Cowboy Bebop companion books and comic books. Titan Publishing will live up to its name and will publish a wide variety of Cowboy Bebop books and comics. The press release uh, reads, uh, Titan Publishing is delighted to announce a new collaboration with Netflix to publish the official fiction, nonfiction, and comics for the eagerly anticipated upcoming series, live action series, Be Cowboy Bebop, set to premiere on Netflix on November 19th, 2021. A prequel novel to be published in November 2021 will be followed by a beautiful coffee table art book 
detailing the making of the series in spring 2022. These will also be accompanied by an original comic book series featuring the characters from the show, which will debut in December 2021. Okay. Mm. Um, interesting. Uh, Power Rangers tried to recruit the enigmatic uh, Yellow Emissary for an upcoming war in uh, issue number 11 preview. Uh, so they've been doing some weird, th- not weird things. They've, they've been doing some things with those books. I haven't, I'm not caught up, so I have no idea what's going on with this. But an engineering story within the Mighty Morphin uh, multiverse and it's up to the Omega Rangers to find the last of the Emissaries 3 and enlist them in their cause in September 15th, Power Rangers 11. Uh, there's a preview for the issue uh, that is um, along with this article that you can check out in the show notes if you are so inclined. So basically, I guess they're trying to um, enlist somebody because there's some things going on and sure. Next up. Next up, Magic the Gathering's upcoming set based on J.R.R. Tolkien's Lord of the Rings books will be a complete modern legal set of cards. The official title is now The Lord of the Rings Tales of Middle-Earth. The announcement was made Tuesday during the Magic Showcase 2021 streaming event. First revealed to investors in 2020, the Lord of the Rings set won't be available until sometime in 2023. It's part of the Universes Beyond initiative, which includes daring crossovers by Magic the Gathering with Warhammer 40,000, Fortnite, and Street Fighter. Like the previously released wow. adventures in the Forgotten Realms, which brought iconic characters and locations from Dungeons and Dragons into the original Magic card game for the first time, it will be a full product line. That means players will be able to draft cards for pickup play and compete in multiplayer games with one of four pre-constructed commander decks. Uh, making the game legal for modern also means that hobbits, elves, and Urukai will be showing up in competitive circles for years to come. Okay. So I don't have my glasses on, but let me know that for one quick second about this. Just a second. The whole Fortnite thing is kind of crazy. Street Fighter, that's kind of crazy. At least the DNC stuff makes sense in the realm mm-hmm. of Magic the Gathering. <laughs> yeah. Even the Lord of the Rings stuff. Like, yeah, okay, that, that makes total sense in the realm of it. Fortnite and Street Fighter. I know there are some people who already said, like, yeah, okay, uh, Magic, granted, has been around for like 30 plus years. Slightly jumping the shark with with these little, with these crossover events, and I believe this is a secret layer, which is um, well, no, this is a crossover. Um, yeah, the, the, this is a crossover set, just like the the um, the current D and D one for next year. But there's also a secret layer set that's also coming with the uh, Lord of Rings stuff in it. I'll be, I'm not gonna lie, I will probably get whatever the Street Fighter thing is, and I still hadn't seen that Magic Showcase yet, but um, um, but I will check that out. So the Lord of the Rings thing is kind of a cool, and I'm kind of curious to, to see what how that plays out. The the, the Dungeons and Red Dragon thing so far has been actually kind of neat. Uh, I haven't really had the chance to to delve that far into it outside of seeing some mechanics and some stuff that's that's come down along with the next set. Okay. Also, I don't play Commander, so that's that's neither here nor there. But anyway, what you were saying? No, no, I haven't got a bloody thing to say about this. <laughs> next up. <clears throat> Um, the Mandalorian video game footage uh, reportedly leaking and it looks amazing. So, so I hesitated about putting this one in because I kind of felt like there was there was nothing real about this. And while it is real, 
it's a real fan made demo. It's not. It was not a real game. Uh, so there was an update to the article saying that uh, the footage that was uh, seemingly from a real video game was from a fan made demo developed by a, a YouTuber, and um, they I guess they made it out of Unreal Engine or whatever they used. But apparently it looked good enough to fool people into thinking that it was actually a an actual uh, Mandalorian video game that was being worked on by some by some uh, actual uh, developer publisher. So, good stuff. I don't know if there's a link to it or anything, but, it, well, yeah, there's a video about it. So, you can check that out in the show notes if you so desire. Next. Next up, Hasbro announces the next Transformers HasLab project, Victory Saber. Uh, straight from the fight super robot life form Transformers Victory anime comes the next fa- fan-funded creation. Uh, it's a massive new figure that will come to production only if enough backers support it before its campaign end date on October 10th of 2021. Okay, Victory Saber. Yeah, so I did actually watch this uh, Fan Friday thing that uh, when it when it came out, and I'm like, yeah, this is, it's a relatively big figure, and it's made up of multiple figures. And even though the the um, the images they had, and even the images and what they showed was like a, was a, a first first product field and not necessarily the, the, the full thing still look pretty good I don't know that much about this character outside of the, I forget it was from the Japanese version of uh, of trans, uh, Transformers which by the way I'm waiting for my trans, uh, set of the Transformers Japanese collection uh, which is the, the Japanese version of Transformers so I can complete mm-hmm. my set I'll almost complete my set because there's some I'm not getting that later stuff screw that anyway um, I probably not. Gonna I was about that. to say I will. I can also I can also announce here that I did not back the uh, the, the oh. Galactus. Yeah, I did not because where on earth am I going to put this four hundred dollars Marvel Legends figure? Because uh, it comes on with. display. What's that? Plus the figures that it's going to come with, which from the stretch goals. Right, because it, it it hit all of its stretch goals at the last second because that's just how it goes. Yes, yeah. But at the end of the day, um, I I just couldn't pull the trigger. <laughs> just couldn't pull it. What are you gonna do? Yeah, fair enough. Uh, next up, though, um, the the eternal coming to you got this. Uh, sure. Wait, hold on. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. You're yeah. you're up next. Yeah, uh, the Eternals are coming to Funko Pops. So, not surprisingly, the, the Eternals are getting Funko Pops ahead of the movie. Uh, you can choose from Icarus, Cersei, Athena, Gilgamesh with Glow Chase, uh, Kinko, Kingo, not Kinko, uh, Sprite, Drig, the, the people you'd expect to see from the, the Eternals, and but also uh, Dane Whitman, a.k.a. Black Knight. Although we won't be in Black Knight gear. Um, because it's the movie version, and we don't know if he's going to get that but also coming is a jumbo 10 inch um arishim so yes if you're watching the video version you can see uh the um the boxes and the figures themselves uh and i believe this stuff is probably already on uh pre-order or coming very soon it doesn't say in this article so yeah if you're looking for some some eternals funko pops they are coming for you next Next, Penny Parker swings into the battle realm on a Marvel's Contest of Champions. Okay. Um, 
who doesn't want to pilot a robot consisting of hmm. hmm? Okay. Marvel's kind of, can take the story. Thank you. So yeah, uh, Penny Parker is as as some of you know from um, a, a character that has been seen in Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse uh, more recently. Um, uh, she is now going to be coming to Marvel's Contest of Champion, which is Marvel's um, one of Marvel's mobile games that is still going. Um, and they got a little character breakdown and in this uh, video that they share. Uh, and I guess she's coming to the game. She might already be in the game already. Um... Or coming soon, regardless. So yeah, there's that's that's the gist of it. So if you know that character from Into the Spider Verse, you can have her in the game now, or or uh, the Edge of Spider Verse or the, the Spider Verse stuff. Period. Anyway, um, next up, uh, you want me to take this one, or you good? Okay. Uh, Shang-Chi and the Legend of Ten Rings, the album, drops on September 3rd, which is as of this recording, actually. So the the uh, the official motion picture soundtrack is executive produced by Sean uh, Miyashiro and 88 Rising. Uh, I believe we have a track listing here. We do. And um, I believe that this is also going to be out on... This is also out on Spotify and probably Apple Music from what I saw. And I do remember seeing a tweet from Simu Liu uh, saying that, Hey, you've seen the, the soundtrack uh, in Lincoln's Familiar? And I have no idea who, who what he's talking about. So I was assuming that he was on one of the tracks or something. or But I don't know what he's talking about in reference to. Um... So I don't know if Agent Agent Seventy know, so maybe what he could have been talking about. Nope. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, see, he made some reference to the soundtrack and saw anything information, but I don't see his name here on. Oh no, his his, his name is on one of them. Okay, track seventeen, Hot Soup, is him and Eighty Eight Rising. So he is actually on the soundtrack. Now, okay, I, I don't know if that comes out in the movie or if that's been played anywhere in during the movie. But I guess you would know. Yeah, yeah. I was about to say you'll find out shortly. Yeah. So there you go. I was like, because I was like, that was the only other reason I was like that that would make sense for him to even say anything about it like that. Mm. So okay, there you go. Uh, so yeah, you can check it out on Spotify and uh, Apple Music, or buy it if you want to. Uh, right. I'm gonna go ahead and take this next one from you also. Um, <laughs> okay. So Marvel Shang Chi kicks his way into Fortnite. Uh, to, to celebrate the launch of Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, Marvel's Master of uh, Martial Arts is joining Epic Games' Fortnite. Uh, announced via the, an official blog post, players will be able to purchase the Shang-Chi outfit from Fortnite's item shop. <sighs> Lord. Uh, the bundle itself includes the Shang-Chi skin, which closely resembles the character's comic book appearance rather than Simu, Simu Liu's iteration as seen in uh, the MCU. Uh, fans of the character will no doubt take note of his iconic red robe and golden goblets. So yeah, Fortnite continuing to be what the hell is this game and having its own multiverse as some folks is uh, is saying. Uh, doing the most. Next up. 
I guess I was, it's just trying to. Uh, no, I was want to say it's just trying to uh, cross pollinate. Pretty much, yeah. Because they got Street Fighter characters, DC characters. They're putting in freaking Mike Lowry from Bad Boys. Mike and, Lowry. Yeah, and a bunch of Marvel characters, including uh, now Shang Chi. So this is kind of alrighty. Alrighty, next up, Marvel's Midnight Suns combat uses a card system but won't have loot boxes. Okay, so apparently this is, uh, since unveiling the tactics card battle system in Marvel's Midnight Suns, some players have expressed concerns there could be loot boxes in the game. However, the developers have confirmed that there are no loot boxes in Midnight Suns or any microtransactions involved with the card system. There will, however, be purely cosmetic skins that will be available for purchase, but these will not impact the balance of the game. Okay. Right over my head. So, sadly, microtransactions in video games has been a long... uh, Has it been a standing thing for the last five, ten years almost, I guess, at this point, and has no signs of going away. So, when a game comes out, people instantly are like, oh, is it going to have microtransactions in certain ways? And in certain cases, people are like, well, it doesn't and should, which is real strange to me, considering how much people grouse about them. It's good to know that this, that this is not going to be the case in this game. Um, also uh, worth noting that, yeah, this, so there was a, that was an update uh, for the fact that there has been more information about this game uh, coming out, including some gameplay footage, which you can see a gameplay trailer or uh, some gameplay footage in the clickbait section of the show notes, if you're so wishing to look out, look for uh, some more of their games. And by the way, you should definitely check out the clickbait section because there's some other good stuff in there, including links to the three um, free comic book day um, offerings for this week. Uh, and also the what if Easter egg video that I point to and that uh, the aforementioned um, gameplay walkthrough trailer and some other stuff. Um, if you're watching the video, you can kind of see that that part of the session. Anyway, this is this is relatively good news because there's no microtransactions. Next up, uh, Daredevil isn't canceled, says Sadarsky, teasing something massive for Marvel coming soon. Uh, so apparently on August 16th, Marvel announced that the Chip Sadarsky and Marco Ticetto's Daredevil run will reach its climax in an ex- explosive final issue. In November 10th, Daredevil number 36. A week later, however, Zdarsky says, not so fast. Okay, so a Marvel Comics press release went out, and it's incendiary and got tongues wagging, uh, Zdarsky wrote in his newsletter. Now, I've been around a long time, and so has you. Uh, my average reader is men 67 years old uh, demographic, according to, to Zdarsky. Uh, so you know there's a bit of sales and marketing dance happening here. Uh, Sadowski says that his Daredevil series is on pause uh, after uh, Daredevil 36 because there will be events and upcoming issues that uh, kind of spiraled out of control. Uh, He goes on to say that he and Chichetto need to deal with it before they resume their work on the main Daredevil title. So this could read as him hinting as a standalone limited series or one shot similar to Jason Aaron's Avengers run taking hiatus over the summer for the recent... um, Heroes event series as this article speculates. We'll see what happens um, as that uh, progresses. Next. Alright, next up, these are mild spoilers for 
some stuff that happened in the Symbiote Spider-Man book. Uh, apparently, uh, the some Asgardian magic uh, cast by one Carnilla, the Norn Queen, caused Spider-Man to have a major power-up, making him strong enough to take on the Hulk, while also teasing the symbiote's future as Venom, because uh, the symbiote Spider-Man book, uh, you know, these series of miniseries by Peter David and <laughs> Greg Land, um, uh, harken back to the time when Peter Parker was, in fact, in possession of the symbiote Spider-Man costume. Um, interesting. Well, I'm looking at something else that is actually interesting that I'm going to put at the end of this uh, thing. I know we got a lot of news already, but this this needs to be shown. Regardless, um, Magic co-stars in the Death of the Doctor Strange trailer, which is weird. This is so weird that there are trailers for comic books. Uh, uh, anyway. Piggybacking on the success of Doctor Strange's appearance in uh, Spider-Man No Way Home trailer, the Marvel Comics has released its own trailer for the December 22nd uh, debuting five-issue limited series, The Death of Doctor Strange. Excuse me. Uh, writer Doctor Strange and artist Lee Garbett team up to reveal what Marvel calls the tragic fate of Marvel Universe's Sorcerer Supreme and the consequences his death will unleash. Uh, you can check out Newsarama's rundown of the candidates who to replace Doctor Strange in this thing, including Magic, who is seen prominently in the trailer. Uh, but you can also trail out to, to check out the trailer in the article, um, uh, in the show notes. Next up. Next up, the X-Men and the Black Knight enter the death of Doctor Strange event together. dun 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 Two corners of the Marvel Universe collide with a third in the death of Doctor Strange X-Men Black Knight number one special. Okay, it's written by Cy Spurrier. You know, they they really want to push Dane Whitman to the forefront. So they're going to team him up with the X-Men. Yeah, there's really been... Now, obviously, we know he's, you know, Black Knight, um, Dane Whitman's going to be in um, um, Externals, so we know that's why they're p- pushed now. But they've done this in the past. Eternals, not Externals. Eternals, Eternals. Yes, 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 you're right. Because Externals something. is something completely X-related. Exactly. But not, but not what they're going to be putting on the screen. Exactly, I stand corrected. But but regardless of the fact, yes, they, they've been pushing uh, Dane Whitman because of the Eternals. And like I said, this is not the first time they've actually pushed them. But it's the there's an actual reason for it this time, I guess. Um, it's still kind of weird. So, but that's what we got to look forward to. Next up, though, Inferno Inferno trailer shows why Mystique needs to burn the X Men to the ground. Uh, Marvel Comics has revealed an official trailer uh, uh, for its upcoming X Men spinoff title, Inferno. The four-issue limited series that marks the end of writer Jonathan Hickman's time in Krakoa for the time being. Um, Quote-unquote, a high-stakes high-stakes mutant drama, Inferno will provide the startling payoff to a long-running plot lines, uh, including Mystique's quest to be reunited with Destiny uh, and the the character Destiny, not the video game or the, the concept. Uh, startling shakeups to the quiet concept, quiet console, and the looming threat of Nimrod, uh, Marvel said in an official press release. Quote unquote, uh, alliances will be broken, secrets will be revealed, and the once bright future of mutant kind will be endangered like never before. 
Fans can get their first look at this revelatory saga in the all-new Inferno trailer featuring never-before-seen artwork. Uh, and if you so decide, you can check out that trailer because it's probably attached to this article. Yes, it is. Next up. Next up. Uh, where are we now? Where she are we now? She-Hulk returns to her smashing ways in a new series. She-Hulk uh, she by Rainbow Roll and Roger, or Roge Antonio sees Jennifer Walters returning to her rage-spurred days after a friend from her past ask, asks for help. So this is going to be in 2022. Um, uh, apparently, yeah, the, 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 the idea behind the book is that uh, Jennifer Walters is attempting to put her raging days behind her presumably because of what happens with the winter guard mm-hmm. um, as she returns to her law career. Once a friend from her past asks, asks her to look into a mystery. However, Jennifer finds herself reverting back to her smashing and bashing ways. Okay. Which partially assumes if this picture is any indication or that could be a mock-up that she's also going to go back to her classic look, but that's only assumption um, because we have nothing to really go on at this point. Uh, right. We, that's we, not much of a. I was about to say that's that that's not much of a promo image if it even is one. That exactly. could be a, a CBR image. That's what I'm thinking. Because, yeah. Um, uh, but I I feel like at a certain point they were going to go back to that anyway. It, I'm surprised they actually kept her this long the way she has been. And I guess coming out of this winter winter Hulk thing, that there's probably going to be something that comes out of it. But we'll see. Anyway, um, Conan gets drunk. And goes dungeon crawling in Barbarian number twenty five, short from Dan Slott and Marcos Martin. Uh, so three hundred issues of Conan celebrated, and okay, so I guess um, this is a preview page for one of the four sh- stories in Conan the Barbarian twenty five, which I guess is a three hundred issue, um, a three hundred issue anniversary. And the short's going to be written by uh, what the creative team is Dan Slott and uh, Marcos Martin. So there you go. I haven't been reading none of that Conan stuff outside of Savage Adventures, so go figure. Next up. Earlier in the week, Marvel released the first details about eight upcoming tentpole titles that they say will shape the future of the Marvel Universe in the months to come, including a number of projects that are evocative of what's going on in the TV and film projects. Uh, The series include events centering around the Fantastic Four and Daredevil, as well as stories that see the Avengers as a multiverse-hopping champions of reality. It's all kicked off by Timeless, a time travel story that centers on a threat presented by Kang the Conqueror, who is working his own way through the multiverse, presumably destined to cross paths with those same Avengers. Let's see. The solicitation text for the titles is below. I'm not going to read all of them because there's eight of them, but there's some interesting items here. So I was going to, I just noticed this and noticed that in there, because uh, there is an article about one of them. I'll just go ahead and briefly throw this in there so I won't have to do it later. And this goes back to that Daredevil um, uh, um, article from uh, from a little bit ago. And basically, this could possibly be what Zadarsky uh, was hinting at, because there is a, uh, the Kingpin declares all-out war and Devil's uh, reign event. 
uh, and this is definitely by Chip Zdarsky and uh, Marco Cicchetto, and it will see uh, the Kingpin um, outlawing superheroes in New York and revealing intel on their secrets. So, kind of familiar beats uh, if you've been around comics for a little bit. So, it sounds like the Thunderbolts are going to be back in action, and yeah, this could very well be the, the thing that Zdarsky uh, was hinting at. Moving right along, though, because we won't go into the rest of them, but yeah, there's, and there was an infograph that I saw on uh, about this uh, these eight titles, but I don't see it uh, attached to this article, so go figure. Anyway, Infinite Frontier reveals the origins of a new of the new Black Lantern, and this is spoilers for Infinite Frontier number five um, um, from DC, of course. Uh, one of the biggest returns at the start of Infinite Frontier era was Roy Hopper. Uh, with Green Arrow's original sidekick are seemingly restored to life as the DC multiverse was reborn after the crossover event Dark Knight's Death Metal. Uh, as the comic book miniseries Infinite Frontier launched, Roy learned that his new lease on life was actually due to him being bonded to a Black Lantern ring, uh, appearing undead whenever he tapped into its energies and uh, called away from Earth to serve a mysterious Dark Master. Uh, and as Roy confronted his twisted benefactors on Earth Omega, he learns that uh, he learns more about the history behind the power ring and why he was targeted to become the newest uh, Black Lantern. I believe Darkseid also has something to do with this whole thing. I haven't read any of it, so I don't know. Um, so yeah, there's that. Next up, next up, DC taps Katie Hubert to lead the horror line Fortnite and Webtoon partnerships. Uh, a third generation comic creator is promoted to a DC senior editor status. Um, DC editor Katie Huber was promoted to senior editor Global Publishing Innovation, or Team Guppy, as some within DC refer to this group as. Um, Kubert began at DC in 2009 as a pre-press coordinator and worked her way up to editor by 2014. Uh, she did move to uh, Marvel for a few years and then went back to DC as editor in 2017 after relocating to California. Um, let's see here. Kubert is a third generation comics creator after her grandfather, the legendary Joe Kubert, mm. and her uncle's creators, Adam and Andy Kubert, and the cousin of creator, Emma Kubert. Okay. Nice. Keep it in the family. Uh, Gotham Knights gets a uh, new motion poster ahead of DCU Fandom. So we already kind of talked about the fact that Gotham Knights, um, the video game or one of the video games coming out of, uh, that's going to be shown in DC fan, con- fan uh, fandom, uh, was going to be shown there. And there's a motion poster here, uh, which links to a Twitter account, um, for Gotham Knights. And you can check it out in the show notes. Next up. Next up, uh, Comixology announces a new app and shutters the non-Amazon Comixology website. Comixology CEO announced widespread changes to the digital comic company, including a new app and the shutting down of Comixology's external website. Uh, Let's see here. 
Comicsology CEO David Steinberger released a letter revealing upcoming updates to the company over the course of the fall, including a new app and the shutting down, as I said earlier, of the company's external website as it becomes fully integrated into Amazon.com. The announcement, who's a sponsor of the show, by the way, the announcement of a new app comes with promises of much better filters and sorting capabilities, which have long been an area where Comixology has drawn some criticism from users. The most attention-getting part of the announcement, though, is that Comixology would cease to exist as a separate website, with the external website eventually redirecting to a new section of the Amazon website hosting the Comixology material. The letter even included a link so that you can preview what the new site will look like. Okay. Yeah, um, if you're watching the video version, you, you just saw me scrolling through the link. I don't like it. Because I, I you know, why can't Comixology just have its own, just keep its site the way it was? Like, all this is basically, hey, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a, um, a, 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 a subpage under the Amazon site, like, like you already know about. Um... So, I mean, there's nothing bad about it, but it's just like, why? Why? Just let it keep its own separate thing. We know you're owned by Amazon. Anyway, uh, Jeff Lemire brings Black Hammer and his next graphic novel to Substract. Um, Writer-artist Jeff Lemire has joined a growing number of comic creators to partner with online platform Substract uh, to serialize new original comics ahead of their traditional debut, their traditional debut via a paid subscription newsletter. Although, for Lemire, it's more than that. Uh, Lemire plans to serialize two major projects. Uh, an original graphic novel called Fish Flies and a new Black Hammer comic centered on, Colonel, on the Colonel, Colonel Weird character. Excuse me. Um, I don't even know what to call it, really. Um, newsletter seems much too limited for what I hope to do on this platform. Uh, my intention here is to create something akin to an online studio. A new platform to publish new comics and a meeting place to share all my work in progress with you and also offer uh, lots of exclusive material. Um, I want to create a direct link between me and my readers, he continues. So this would be a place that I can share each of my, uh, each step of my creative process with you and a platform to actually create and publish new comics too. End quote. So, okay. Next up. Oh. All righty. So this, yeah, there's one more that I added to the last. That I don't know if you see it. Oh, uh, you mean after this one? Yeah, Immortal Hulk. Mm-hmm. Is this the last one, or yeah, is there one it, more? That is absolutely it. Okay. Okay. So, um, Immortal Hulk's Al Ewing severs his relationship with the Joe Bennett artist Joe Bennett over a reprehensible illustration. So writer Al Ewing has publicly severed his relationship with Immortal Hulk artist Joe Bennett over a 2017 illustration Ewing called Reprehensible. The Immortal Hulk scribe didn't didn't link to the illustration by Bennett, though Ewing did describe what takes place. Quote, an armored swordsman, which he assumes represents Bolsonaro, given Joe's commentary, slaughtering tiny scurrying people with the buck teeth and ears of rats. Ewing wrote, and big noses. One of them is cosplaying Dracula. Ewing also called out the anti-Semitic caricatures in the art, which has an undeniable political agenda. Quote, Al Ewing assumes these are political enemies of some kind, but even if not, the tropes are apparent. He said human beings as vermin being exterminated. Even if it's no longer up that it was drawn in the first place, signed and so proudly displayed by Joe, speaks volumes. 
Uh, Ewing stated that this isn't the first time he's been made aware of issues with Bennett, a reference, of course, to the controversy that flared up when a panel was published in Immortal Hulk number 43 that included anti-Semitic imagery. At the time, Bennett expressed remorse over the artwork, calling it wrong, offensive, and hurtful in many ways, though he also admitted, it, although he also claimed it was an honest but terrible mistake. The writer, Al Ewing, said he's spoken to Marvel behind the scenes, though he recognizes that no, that's no comfort to people at the sharp end of this kind of brutal propaganda. To show his commitment to an apology, Ewing shared screenshots of donations he made to Rainbow Railroad and the Rainforest Trust. The Rainbow Railroad donation was in the sum of $2,575 US with the Rainforest Trust donation totaling 2,000 UK pounds. He ended his Twitter thread by stating he will not be working with Bennett again. Okay. Well, yeah, I mean, the Mortal Kombat's about to come to an end uh, very soon, so there you go with that. Right. And um, this story was provide, was was written by lead news editor at CBR, our very own Tim Dog 98 Which is not the reason why I pulled this article, but um, I thought it was interesting that it should probably need to come up sooner rather than later, interestingly enough. Because, uh, yeah, and we talked about when that first image, um, when that first image showed up in... Um, that issue of a mortal hulk um some some time ago so it's weird that joe bennett would shoot himself in the foot again or probably not surprising if you i guess if you know about him i don't know don't know the dude um but that's real stupid that is really really stupid and what's wild is that he's been in the game for a while right he's been he has done art for a while so Mm -hmm. it's kind of you know he's this is a middle-aged dude you know he's 53 years old you would think uh, that he would know better, but apparently not. Apparently not. Uh, but that is the end of the news for tonight, folks. Um, we are going to get into one last ad read. Our last ad read of the night is for Funko, Fun at First Sight, your home for exclusive collectibles such as their world-famous pop vinyl bobbleheads, apparel including t-shirts, hats, and socks, and brand merchandise such as their custom DIY pop figures, art books, and skateboards. And now the listeners of the Comic Book Chronicles can enjoy 10% off your entire purchase when shopping at Funko. To place your first order with 10% off and to help keep our show free for you, go to our network website at cspn.us. That's cspn.us then click on the keep our podcast free link at the top of the page from there scroll down to the fun code link and place your order when you get to the checkout put in the offer code shop 10 s-h-o-p-10 for your 10 percent off discount fun code through cspn.us do it today And this is coming to an end of another exciting episode of the Combo Chronicles. We appreciate each and every one of you folks for coming out. Um, I hope that all of you have a good and restful Labor Day weekend. Have some fun. Have some barbecue or whatever goes on in your Labor Day weekend plans. You know, be safe out there. Stay masked up. All that kind of good stuff. Uh, maybe go see Shang Chi if you if you feel so inclined. Um, Shang Chi. Yes, what he said. Um, <laughs> every time I still I, like I know that, but I just keep slipping back. I know it's habit. Trust me, yeah. I think I did it the last time. So, yeah. so um, but we do know the the actual the pronunciation of Shang Chi. So that's is is what it is. Um, but yes, that being said, like I said, um, like I said, have a great weekend. I'm, I'm kind of 
skipping ahead a little bit, but let me go back and say that I have been Rodicat. You can find me at Rodicat. You can find me at News Nerds, uh, on Twitter. You can find me at News Nerds Need on Twitter. You can find me at CB Caps on Instagram. Oh, thank you, Sarayu. Um, and um, uh, you can find Agent Underscore 70 on Twitter and Instagram under that. Uh, PC Underscore Dirt on Twitter. Pop Culture Network on Twitter, popculturenetwork.com is all those umbrella sites there in. Um, also, probably still bite under bite under comic reviews, no vowels, have no idea. I said I was going to stop doing that, but whatever. Tim, D-O-G-G-9-8, the Osiris of this ish. Uh, you can find him at Tim, D-O-G-G-9-8 on Twitter. You can find him at the Click Nation on Twitter. That's V-K-L-I-Q-N-A-T-I-O-N, all one word. Uh, you can also find him at CB Cron, which is the comic book Chronicles Twitter account. You can also, of course, find Tim, as we have just stated a little bit ago, at comic book resources, CBR.com, where he's over there writing his face off. Uh, you can find this here podcast on uh, the Cold Slither Podcast Network, that's CSPN.us. Do it today. I've been going back through the archives uh, for, well, there was a point for me to do it, but I've just been going back through uh, the archives uh, on the site um, f- for uh, a reason or two, and uh, you should probably check it out sometime. Check out some old episodes if you are so inclined. It's, it, it, it gets amusing uh, here and there. Uh, I'm yeah. sure we were not as well produced as we are now. That is true, but it was still fun. So, um, and also, it wasn't just the two of us, there was four of us at, at, at right. uh, times. Um, so, there's that. But again, uh, you can also find us on your podcast, Brutal Place of Choice, um, that whether it be Google Play, Apple iTunes, aka Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify, or the Coastal of the Podcast Network's SoundCloud page. Uh, you can also find us recording live normally every Thursday night, with the exception of tonight, um, on uh, the Click Nation's uh, YouTube channel. Uh, that's youtube.com slash the Click Nation. And also twitch.tv slash Chronicles, where uh, apparently we, um, we got another... Um, we had um, some folks in the, in the chat. Thank you, Sarayu, for showing up as always. You're always um, always great to see you. And we got a couple of new follows, or at least one or two new follows. So shout out to that. Onward and upward. Absolutely. Thank you for following. Remember to hit like, subscribe, and click the notification button as well. Thank you. Indeed. Uh, as, as a friend of mine would say, tell your friends, tell your barista, tell your mama's uh, uncles, tell you that, that comic book person, that comic book guy that you don't like, but you know who probably be interested, um, and all that kind of good stuff. Um, again, next week we'll be back, same bat time, same bat channel, um, possibly, probably with um, um, uh, more of a discussion on Shang-Chi and The Legend of the Ten Rings, as I will have hopefully have seen it by that time. And until that point, this has been the Combo Chronicles. Peace. Peace one. Wakanda forever! Good evening, friend. Would you believe it? It's, it's Dr. Doom. What's on your evil mind?